0: Metallica,
1: here they come, the kings of metal. Bird! Hey, this is Edwin Alwater, conductor of SM2, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 163. We're going to pit Reload versus Saint Anger with a very special guest uh, on the show today.
2: Yeah, Mr. Tom Kui, all the way from across the pond. It was bound to happen. Hello. Hi. Welcome. hello, Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Great to be here again. It's me here again. And just before we get started, I just want to say hi and hello and cheers and auf Wiedersehen and guten Tag and hello.
1: (laughs) And I'd like to battle rap you now.
2: I'd like to start by doing some slam poetry battle rap. It goes like this. Hi, hello, greetings, hello, hi, and welcome.
1: <laughs> when my name is Tom Queen, I'm here to say <laughs> hi, hello. <laughs>
2: For those of you who may not know, first of all, by the way, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here. We're an all Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are on a, a sheltered lockdown. Even though we live in the same city, we are doing this remotely because we're taking it seriously. We hope you are too. That's right. And every week, despite whatever pandemic's happening, we get together to talk about our favorite heavy metal band of all time, the mighty and wonderful Metallica. And we're doing that again today. Tom Quee is a friend of ours who has another uh, Metallica podcast called Alpha Metallica, in which he goes through every song alphabetically with a guest. The arc of that show is done, so now he's just doing general deep dive reviews into shows and tours and all sorts of cool stuff. If you have not heard of his show, that's wild to me, but you should go check it out. It's on uh, wherever you get podcasts, right?
1: Yeah, there's a few. There's a few places you can find podcasts. Really, I mean, really, if you haven't checked out any of the other Metallica podcasts at this point, unless you're brand new to our show or something. It'd be kind of surprising, I think, because uh, most every other Metallica podcast out there has been around pretty much the same amount of time as we have, maybe a few months later. But
2: Well, and they're all really cool and different, too. We've got Brandon with mm-hmm. Metallicast. There is Ryan Downey with Speak and Destroy, where he generally interviews pretty uh, notable guests, like rock stars right. and journalists and authors. He's kind of the guy that gets a lot of these people interviewed
1: yeah that's kind of his world anyway so it's easier for him to, to lock those down
2: and then there's steven and remy at chat, and their vibe is cool too it's, they talk a lot about other kinds of pop culture mm-hmm. the premise of their show is that steven is kind of more of the og metallica nerd and then remy's sort of newer to the band so they kind of have the dynamic of right you got one guy kind of learning it as they go through it and one guy sort of helping contextualize it and But those, you know, we interact with them all the time. And
1: soon the student will become the master.
0: Ah, the pupil becomes the teacher. Yes,
1: please. Please. (laughs) Please is
2: them. (laughs) Oh, man. So we put out Dawn Patrol this week. We did. (laughs) Um, We've been doing a thing over at the Patreon called Quarantine Covers, which is an all-request thing that we're letting patrons give me and Ethan covers to do. And we're trying to do one a week each. So two new songs a week over there. And we collaborated on Dawn Patrol, we did Ethan did all the bass and drums And then I was just gonna do like the normal like uh primordial ooze I was gonna do the normal mistake <laughs> Can I laugh But then we did it at <laughs> my epitaph But then we did it uh, We decided to do it with a bunch of Metal Up Your Podcast characters Maybe we'll let everyone hear that in this episode too <laughs>
3: Rising, in perpetual rising, the primordial ooze and the sanity they lose last. Awakened in the morning
0: to more air pollution warnings. Last
2: night we walk off the work Is our, ne- our, our is our nervous system jerk. Please
3: I bite my dive Well, let me tell you something mean, Gene Pretending not to notice How history has forbode us, brother With the greenhouse in effect iron to me was wrecked And now I can only laugh, Lars Brother, as I read our epitaph
0: Well, we end our lives as morals In the dark of the dawn patrol Timboy pleases me, my audience. That
1: was really fun to do. Clint so Clint recorded his characters first, sent them over to me. And it took me forever to throw in a couple of my characters. Just be- I just couldn't stop laughing because it's so ridiculous.
2: You guys are here. And for those of you not familiar, go check out our Rest in Peace episode. And I mean, it's my favorite Megadeth song, What Can I Say? So it was really fun to uh, inhabit that strange world, at least for a minute. Before we wrap up on the other Metallica podcast thing, I want all you dudes to come on, and, and I want to do episodes with everybody uh, in the Metallica podcast world. So... We'll have that to look forward to. Now, speaking of the Patreon, first of all, uh, it's a really scary time for everyone, and a lot of people lost their jobs, so we totally get it if you can't support the show financially. But you can support the show by just by leaving a positive iTunes review. It's really easy to mm-hmm. do. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you could talk about us on your social media, maybe put a link to your favorite episode or put us in your Instagram story. And pretty much anything you put on the socials that you tag us in, we retweet and reshare all that too, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we like to show love to other people as well, and... Uh... But yeah join us over there it's really fun we're having a great time aren't we
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i do an instagram lives almost every night where i just hang out a little bit with some uh metal B podcast family people and and play music and talk about stuff so go find us on all the socials you can find all that now we surprisingly have been getting a lot of patrons too, and uh, this is very surprising. You know, Ethan and I are basically out of work as the touring industry is completely shut down. So, mm-hmm. for those of you who are lucky enough to still have a job and who are able and willing and and think the show has value, you can go check out Patreon, p a t r e o n. dot com slash metal up your podcast, and we got a bunch since last we checked in. So we're going to read their names to say thanks. Uh, Jesse House increases pledge. He wrote us a sweet note too. We're going to read that a little later. Joey Chavez also increases pledge. Tyler Ambrosiak, Craig Elba, Pyrie Kervinen, Linda Thomas, Amanda Hefner, and Liam Collins. Let's give it up for these heroes!
1: Thank you so much, everybody. A hero
2: lies in you. <laughs>
1: and then a hero
3: comes along.
1: <laughs> it is. I mean, I I, I got to say, I mean, in all honesty, I'm very very grateful that I mean, we actually got new patrons. It it, it you know, it's not one of those things that you know we're sitting around, you know banking on anything but you know it's encouraging that people are still finding value in the show and that maybe are newer listeners that uh have a, you know a few bucks to spare a month and that want to get involved in that and get all the extra content so for that we say a thank you
2: well and it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things but i can tell you you know from my family out there to yours how much we appreciate it and it really is helping mm-hmm. it really Absolutely. does help so thanks to everyone over there a few little tidbits of news before we get into some emails and hear from our buddy, Tom. Hello, hi, hello, it's me again. Hello. Hi, 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 it's me, Tom. Crikey. Um, <laughs> all Within My Hands Foundation, which just always doing cool work over there. That For those of you who don't know, it's Metallica's charitable organization. You can go to allwithinmyhands.org to learn about their stuff and donate if you would like. They are donating $350,000 to quote-unquote organizations dedicated to assisting those hit hard by the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. So you know, I feel like anytime the world needs help, they step up. Whether it's the wildfires mm-hmm. or you know education and communities, food drives. Now with this money to help with uh, COVID relief, it's pretty cool, man. It makes me proud to be a fan, and we we say that all the time. But
1: and and uh, last year, having uh, gone out and done all within my hands, you know, day of service, I was in Salt Lake City, just to see like people coming together because of Metallica and their in their organization is so encouraging and had a blast, and I, I don't think that's going to be happening this year. Obviously, I think they already moved it, but um, but yeah, it's just so cool. That anytime there's some kind of crazy disaster or anything where people are truly need, like Metallica usually steps up.
2: Come together right now, creeping death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan. The last bit of news, which, it's so funny how this became news, but um, I guess that's just what happens when nothing's really going on. But Now That We're Dead was used as the entrance-exit theme for The Undertaker at WrestleMania 36 and the boys were I guess pretty excited about it because they tweeted about it and they said the legend yeah, continues. Pretty
1: awesome. Yeah, held over two nights in an empty arena. I mean, listen, I, I've got a soft spot for professional wrestling. Just I watched it as a kid. At one point, I worked uh, at a school and all the kids were into it, so I got back into it just so I can kind of chat with them about it.
2: Then you had that restraining order. You can't be near schools now. We don't have to get into that, but yeah, you're not allowed to be, what, 30, 30 feet from a school now? <laughs> 30 feet? Wow, that's still pretty damn close. Or what was it supposed to be, 30 yards? I don't know, 30 miles? I don't know am not sure.
1: I, I don't know what the details are in restrained orders. No, I think I thought that was really cool. It was like during his entrance and stuff. We are, obviously, it's everything, anything that we have seen in the last month or two where there's an empty arena or whatever is kind of weird. I'd imagine, I haven't really looked it up, but I imagine that WWE is kind of shut down right now maybe, or are they still doing empty arenas? Or They might have one place they do. I, I remember seeing something online where they were doing, uh, you know, no audience and doing their normal deal on a Monday Night Raw or whatever. And it looked like a smaller place, like maybe it's something they own, so maybe they can just do them there and and be safe, other than the people, you know, wrestling, of course. But, I don't know, still cool that they use their Metallica song, I think.
2: I got into wrestling maybe like my freshman year of high school for about a year and a half, where I was -hmm. was pretty committed to all the storylines. It was kind of the height of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, that was the 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 Attitude attitude era. Era whatever that was called. And then there was a lot of (laughs) interesting stuff going on in the WCW, too, because Goldberg was big in WCW, and then they were doing the big NWO stuff.
1: Right. Stone Cold is one of my favorites one. If you think Clint Wells should get back into WWE, give me a hell yeah. (laughs) That's not a good Stone Cold Steve Austin, but... (laughs)
2: was kind of like a poor man's Hogan.
1: Yeah, it, it, that was me doing Hulk Hogan and trying not to make my throat hurt. <laughs> I
2: just remember Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was like kind of a no-nonsense, kind of a redneck, right?
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. He'll I, kick I, your I,
2: ass and all this and this and that.
1: Yeah, totally. And whenever he after he'd win a match, like all of a sudden people on the outside of the ring start throwing him beers and start chugging them.
2: <laughs> See, I liked the opposite of that, which I loved him, but I liked the um it's before Triple H was Triple H. He was Hunter Hearst Helmsley Hurst or Hemsley. something. Helmsley, Yeah. <laughs> and he would always come out in like a um like a like a vampire like uh uh like interview with a vampire Lestat. What's the word I'm looking for? Crab. Like fringe. Yeah, like fringe. Like Victorian, the uh, white shirt with the ch- the chest <laughs> exposed. He would like throw oh, throw man. a rose in the crowd and shit. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just listen. I like the pageantry of it.
2: Yeah, that's a good word. The the theater, yeah. if you will. Yes.
1: Yeah, stuff cool stuff. Cool. You know, listen. WWE is one of those things. Any pro wrestling. If you know what you're getting into going into it, it's a good time. It's just fun. It's entertainment. There's a reason they call it world wrestling entertainment.
2: How old is the fucking Undertaker? <laughs> that guy was like rocking it when I was a kid. Well, dude, he
1: debuted in the WWE and, and WWF back then in uh, 1990. So 30 years ago. Wow. Not wow. crazy.
2: He's 55 years old. I looked this up right before we started. <laughs> you're doing a book report on the Undertaker. I've been doing my research. <laughs> Listen, he made his WWF debut in 1990.
1: November 22nd, 1990. And um, Paul Bear was his manager, escorted him to the ring with the urn. And that's where The Undertaker drew his power from. And then later on, of course, we find out he has a brother, a a half brother named Kane, who gets resurrected from hell. And Paul Bear brings him forth. Oh, my gosh. And that dude is actually the mayor of Knoxville now. I'm not kidding. The guy who plays Kane is the mayor of Knoxville. So many of these
2: these people went into politics.
1: I know. Crazy. Jesse Ventura was the governor of Michigan. Right, right. It's cra- crazy times,
2: man. All right. Well, you can email us, show at gmail.com. We love hearing from everybody. We get all kinds of fun, nutty emails every week, and we read a handful of them on the show. We're going to do that now in what we love and refer to as the email, email portal. portal. <laughs> All right, you want to start us off? Yeah, first email is
1: from new patron Piree uh, Cur- hmm
2: It's
1: a tough one. I like that name, though. Mm-hmm. It's a good last name. Yes. Uh, this is kind of cool. Uh, we normally assume a new patron is a new listener sometimes, but this person here says, three-year listener, and now it's time to support your favorite content creators. I'm truly inspired and thankful for the endless hours of entertainment. Feel like <clears throat> Feeling like I'm part of this lovely family and the laughs. Uh, keep safe, wash your hands, and spread the love, and good luck pronouncing my Finnish name.
2: Well, thank you, Pyri or Piri, Kurvinin. pyri Piri, for uh, the sweet message and, of course, for the support. It means a lot to us. Simon. What if, yes? what, real
1: quick, sorry, what if in Finnish uh, it's actually pronounced John? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the rough translation is Jeffrey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey. Bob. Jo- Johnson. <laughs>
2: All right, Simon Ingebrand writes, Hey, Clint and Ethan, hope you both as well as the rest of the Metal Up Your Podcast community are doing well in these crazy times. I wanted to check in and say how appreciative I am of the podcast in general and right now in particular. I'm put on temporary leave for my employer whose supply chain has been cut off due to many countries and companies being shut down. Thankfully, I'm still receiving most of my paycheck, but I have lots of time to listen to podcasts while practicing the most natural Swedish thing ever, social distancing. Hmm. So your work is much appreciated Just listen to the Jay Weinberg interview Slash conversation again, which was great Yeah, that was a real blast having Jay on the show Longest episode It was a really fun night hanging out with him, man Uh, Absolutely He says, I was recently listening to Holier Than Thou And somehow the riff that James plays beneath the solos Stuck out to me It's not a riff that's featured anywhere else in the song to my ear, which got me thinking, what other solo exclusive riffs there are in their songs? Have you ever made that reflection of So What Are Your Favorites? That is in Metallica stuff all the time, dudes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. James is so great at taking... I mean, what you would normally do in a lazier band, myself included, is during solo time, you just play the verse riff under that, mm-hmm. and instead of singing, yeah. you have a guitar solo, and maybe you church it up by changing, like modulating and changing the key. But you're basically just playing that same hook, right? James exactly. often will play something that sounds like the main hook, but it's different for the solo. Um, like
1: Black, like Blackened,
2: Blackened. He does it. He does a, a. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on rhythmically in the song one under the solo. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like it. It all sounds like the machine gun stuff. But if you pay attention to that, there's different accents and different things going on and different chord changes. Where he does that, uh, where else does that happen? Definitely on Blackened for sure. Uh, it ha- yeah. There's some interesting stuff going on in Atlas Rise under the solos.
1: Yeah, try to pay attention to that kind of stuff when you, especially on some of those old thrashers too. Through the
2: Never, it would be another one. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of listen out for those and highlight those. But it, it is cool that. You know, after all these years later, you can hear a song like "Holding Than Thou and, and still hear something kind of different and cool. Yeah, absolutely. These dudes wrote some amazing songs that are that are more than they seem. They're so broad and popular and and could reach through a radio and smash you, but then they're also rewarding upon kind of scrutinized listening.
1: Well, well and imagine being an, a part of a band and writing these riffs that that have become timeless in the hard rock metal world. Not even that, and just in rock and roll. Right. If I put on, like, an old cassette demo of, like, my first high school band there's not many people I want to show that too.
2: Yeah, it's embarrassing, right? You know,
1: and these dudes around the same age were, make, were writing "Kill 'Em All.
2: Yeah. Well, the first song they wrote was Hit the Lights. I know. I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> that's nuts. Um, He says, I also wanted to submit my availability for a retroactive Metal Tales on the Road contribution. Keep up the great work, guys, and stay safe. Simon from Stockholm, Sweden, New Jersey. Um, New Jersey. What he's talking about is the metal tales. So if you're a patron of the show at whatever level, you'll have to go look at whatever the tiers are. You can come on the show and be an ambassador for any show you've seen in the past. So we're mm-hmm. going to be cranking those up during the uh, quarantine days here. Um, so That's yeah, right. of course, Simon, you're on the list for sure, homie.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Simon. Our next email is from Jesse House. He says, Clinton, Ethan,
2: what's up, guys? Jesse House and son Jesse and son
1: Many Grayson, Jesse-son and son and uh uh, dear Clinton and Eason, <laughs> what's up, guys? Hope you're surviving shelter in place. I uh, just want to let you know that I upped my Patreon pledge. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate thank that. Thank you. Uh, I imagine uh, these are real lean times for you guys as touring has come to a halt for the entire industry. I plan to keep it going at this higher level until we f- uh, find our way out of this mess or I lose my job, whichever comes first, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting for the COVID-19 single from Lunar Satan. Peace, Jesse.
2: Yeah, that's it's great material for a satanic uh space band.
1: What there uh, wasn't there another suggestion about, about uh lunar Satan coming down to Earth to rid the world of COVID nineteen?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe Satan comes down and saves the planet and that and thereby garnering the trust of the planet. Yeah. Which is all just a sort of a diabolical machination to take over the planet. So yeah,
1: so he's still up to no good.
2: Oh yeah. Satan? Oh yeah. Oh always. always. <laughs> yeah, I mean that guy <laughs> Is always you talking, you talking about Satan? Oh, you mean Satan of oh, the no good? That's his middle name. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Satan. They call me Up to No Good Satan. What if <laughs> Satan talked like that? He kind of had a, a weird lisp. Like, hey, everybody, it's me, Satan. You know, the world's most notorious underlord, it's me, Satan.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a, like a South Park version <laughs> or something.
2: Well, what happened was ancient Christians froze me in a, in a giant ice ball and sent me up into space. But uh, That's right. centuries later, uh, through, through uh, incantations and other various Luciferian spells, uh, I was thawed out. I sound like the Tiger King guy now. You
1: almost sound like one of the characters from Family... What's a guy from Family Guy always goes, I oh, know!
2: I don't know what that is because I don't watch cartoons. But anyway, back to Satan. So anyway, <laughs> I, he, I was thawed out somewhere hovering in space. And uh, well, I, I now am in a, uh, on a quest of vengeance. But what I heard is little old Earth got a little bit of that coronavirus. So my plan is now as Satan, I'm going to go in, I'm going to rid the world of coronavirus, I'm going to be a big hero, and then I'm going to use their trust against them and take over the world because I'm Satan.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jesse, thank you for uh, the email and the support, of course. Our buddy Hale Marie Berg writes in and says, Clinton Ethan, I've done a massive job in trying to catch up to the current episodes of Metal Up Your Podcast. I've not succeeded yet, and this new world makes it hard. I haven't listened in a while at all. Since both me and my husband are supposed to work 100% from home as teachers, and we have three kids at home on top of that. Damn. I know the situation is far from unique, but this is difficult on many levels. It helps to know the situation uh, is the same for so many right now. I'm afraid for my family. My brother-in-law's on chemo for MS. My grandmother's over 90 and not allowed to have visitors. And a very close friend of my mother's barely hanging in the first place, suffering from cancer— yeah. If any of these people catch the virus, it's almost bound to be fatal. Again, I'm aware that this is the same for many right now, but I haven't dealt with it in a healthy way. Well, I, I appreciate her honesty uh, about that, and you know, we want the podcast to kind of be a break from all the horrible news. Mm-hmm. But, totally. I, but I do also want to, um, I do also want to take a, a minute to just say that I know how she feels, and uh, we're scared for our families mm-hmm. and our parents, and uh, we're scared for the people in our lives that are vulnerable to this thing. Absolutely. And, you know being out of work is hard my wife's working from home full time we're are we're with our kid 24/7 trying to figure out what we're going to do about you know teaching her uh keeping her occupied feeding it, her there's just so much going on for families right now and for, for anybody for people so right. you're not alone and and uh I appreciate you writing that so anyway she goes on to say after checking in very briefly this morning on your live stream, Clint, I forced myself to get a grip. You were talking about living unhealthily, being healthy. I told my husband what I needed that I needed to go out for a run, then put the episode from last week on. Hearing your voices, laughing at your jokes, and just getting the input I've been used to for months really did me good. Thank you guys. You've created something to lighten up these crazy times. Take care. Love you. Hill Marie.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's really awesome. cool. Well, I mean, I'm I'm excited and, and very proud to, to you know that you and I can put out something that maybe gives people a little bit of a break during all these times because I think one of the scariest things over all the things even she detailed is just the unknown of right. how long this is gonna be, when it's gonna end. Right. You know what I mean? Uh that that's that's a very scary part, you know, and no matter what kind of industry you're in or what kind of family situation you have. So just not being able to have an answer, I guess.
2: Well, and you know, I think that the little things you can control in this time are really important. Whether that's going for a run at the same time every day, or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, coming up with some sort of creative diet and sticking to it. My wife's been doing exercise routines just with these little weights we have and doing yoga. Yeah, Any right. little ways that you can have some sort of sense of control, I think, is really important. And um, mm-hmm. our small way of contributing to that is Ethan and I are dedicated to putting out a, you know, a metal up your podcast episode, just the same every Monday to try to just keep normalcy in our lives, but also the lives of all of our listeners.
1: Right. Exactly. Cause that's the biggest wrench in this whole thing. Is just normalcy is right. a thing right now. You know, like I'm starting to feel normal when I put a, a bandana on my face to go to the grocery store.
2: Well, that's the new, yeah. that's the new future. I mean, that's what yeah. everyone's
1: going to be doing now. I actually had somebody look at me weird yesterday at the store. Well, that I'm well, like, really? Are, you, are you, you? Did you just come out of isolation from like an underground cave? <laughs> like,
2: well, there are a lot of people who either believe themselves or who are believing what some people are saying that it's not a big deal, right? And you know, I know that you, you know, you're a self confident person. I know you don't care, but they're wrong to judge you for that. And they're, you know, it's that's going to be normal. I mean, it's the CDC has already recommended it. Uh, Trump, mm-hmm. tr- even Trump has said has recommended it. Everyone will be wearing masks in public in the States from now on for a, for right. a while.
1: Yeah, exactly. And,
2: and and honestly, you know, as that catches on, the people not wearing the masks are going to be the ones that are going to get weird looks. Because it's like, what are you doing, yeah. you fucking idiot? Exactly, yeah. Be- because the masks are really to protect other people from getting your shit.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, That's really yeah, what totally. they're
2: for. Um, yeah, and I hate right now that all I, ha- all I have is a bandana. Dude, you can't find a mask anywhere. No, we're, you know? we, uh, my wife ordered us some... Hey, Isabel. Uh, i was gonna see where we got our we ordered some masks but they're gonna take about a week to get here Uh, Um, we got one for uh each of us and then our daughter but yeah we we did the bandana we kind of saw that tutorial about how to make one yourself and
1: yeah, to, and, and obviously it's not as effective as, you know, a nice, you know, N ninety five mask or whatever, but hey, to me it's better than nothing. Plus I feel like I'm about to go rob a train.
2: they a stagecoach. <laughs> well, which was fun. Which is fun. Do a which little, is a a little good time. A little Jesse James action, never hurt anybody except the people he yeah. robbed and killed. Other than uh, that. I saw that the a guy was uh, arrested in New York for hoarding in ninety five masks. He they said he had good in terms of gowns <laughs> and like cap or caps and masks, he had he was hoarding over a million pieces of like preventative medical equipment. Jeez.
1: Yeah, good. And <laughs> I'm I'm
2: like, can we can we kill that guy? I mean
1: I don't feel bad for that dude whatsoever. Yeah. That guy look, could have done so much good just in his community. Jail's
2: not enough for that guy. Oh in my gosh. opinion. Anyway, we'll segue out of that, but but um we, we are all in this together and We're not going to talk that much about COVID moving forward, but it's not because uh, we're ignoring it or, you know, we're willing to. It's just that we want to, um, we just want to kind of provide a little bit of a break from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So thanks, Haley, and and good luck over there with your kiddos and your fam. I know it's tough, and and, uh, it's tough for a lot of people, especially people who have lost their jobs. So, you know, we feel all that, and, uh, of course, Ethan and I lost our jobs. So, um, yes, you know, we're with you guys. There's a lot of solidarity uh, over here in the middle of your podcast family for sure
1: our next email is from chris overholt he says hey clint hey ethan hope all is well with you and your families both blood and otherwise during these trying times i've had a lot of time to think which for me can be a bad thing i was wondering what the difference is between a traditional microphone and the type of microphone james uses besides the fact that his microphone looks really cool uh thanks for staying connected with the middle of your podcast fam you guys make life seem still seem normal uh, with your content chris overholt from chicago new Chicago, Illinois, New Jersey.
2: Nice, 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 nice. nice. Um, I think I, the the microphone that James uses is a Shure Super 55. Yeah, with-
1: a lot of people refer to those as Elvis mics.
2: Yeah, but the one he uses is, like, um, it, it looks old-timey, but it's really just basically an SM57, which is a common dynamic mic. So
1: Yeah, he started using those a while back. Before, he had the black and red ones. They were just chrome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of has to do with James Love of, like, all things 50s and Hot Rods. You know, you look at old, like, rockabilly bands. They would use those microphones and stuff. Um, the normal ones, if you just buy one of those at uh, get uh, guitar center or something, they're they're not a lot of low-end on those things. Uh, not necessarily lo-fi, but... Um, you're going to get a lot more low-end out of a 57 or a 58.
2: Yeah, and I think from what I've read, they, they, the, the guts of them are, are, are nicer. They, they've kind of like impre- He uses a custom one that's obviously a custom color, but I think, the, mm-hmm. I think it's basically an SM57 slash 58. The guts of it are that. So I, I think you're right. So it's surprising. Uh, well, I guess it's not that surprising, but um, you know, they're pretty cheap. They're like 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it looks really cool and stylized, but it's not really that different than any normal live mic that people use.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good
2: question, though, Chris. Thank you. Very. Uh, I included this last email because this we've been asked this question a lot, so I just wanted to put it out there in an official episode right. to sort of deal with this. So, Jay Rivera says about SNM2, maybe you guys know since I haven't heard anything at all, is there a Blu ray DVD release date for SNM2? I could use some qu- uh, quarantine worthy viewing, and I haven't heard a word about when we might see this. Thanks. There mm. is no word about SNM2 in terms of an official release of the Blu ray or vinyl. There's just. I don't know if everything's shut down because of COVID, but there really was, you know, there was supposed to be something in February and it got pushed because they were saying, hey, we're going to push this because we want it to be great. Right, that I know that, you know, through my various texts with Scott Pingle that um, Greg Fiddleman and Edwin Outwater, everyone was working really hard on the mixes. And of course they got it ready for the cinema in October, but I think they were just wanting to make sure it was great. But now that this is all going on, I mean, people aren't working in, people aren't working, so
1: yeah well and on, on top of that in, in, in a normal recording scenario, let's say you know you or I are sending something off to get mixed by somebody, even during all this pandemic, we could still make that happen now, James and Lars are the kind of guys that they, they want to be there for the mixing process, so that obviously doesn't go hand in hand with what's going on right now, so I'd imagine, yeah, they just shut everything down
2: right, but you know we've got our ear to the ground in as many ways as we can with Metallica, and uh you know we take responsibility for being a Metallica podcast and as soon as we hear any news about anything we always put it to our socials so mm-hmm. if you aren't following us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram now's the time to go do it because and we've also been doing this fun thing each night during the week where we do like a nightly Metallica question where yeah it'll be a riff battle where Ethan and I have videos of us in our respective studios playing whatever Seek and Destroy versus the Four Horsemen or it'll be the sort of nightly questions that are designed to stimulate discussion and That's been a lot of fun. So it's a good time to go follow us on the socials.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's been a good time thinking of the questions. I just, the the last two posts I incorporated just vinyl, like, you know, pictures of the two records, like this or this, you know, that's been kind of fun.
2: Anyway, we'll get out of the email corner now, but so it's at gmail.com. You can write into us. We love hearing from you. And let's get out of here now and go check out some uh, quarantine covers.
0: you're really good at that
2: <laughs> all right so once again the quarantine covers are something we're doing over at patreon where we're letting patrons give us a list of songs they'd like to see us cover and then we're spending our time isolated in our houses making those tell us about the one that we're going to hear from you today
1: well uh this was suggested on patreon of course and uh it is the song bizarre love triangle by a band called new order First of all, if you haven't heard New Order, they were uh, this awesome '80s '90s kind of electronic band. But man, their songs were so good. Like they, they had a kind of a dance vibe to them uh, from at time to time. But the songwriting was just great. Let's
2: and, dance. <laughs> Let's
1: dance. Put
2: on your red shoes. Let's <laughs> dance. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I'm, just, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> excuse me, I'm trying to figure out what what, what a voice you're about to go into.
2: Well, I'm doing like Bowie and uh, uh. It sounded
1: like almost like a Broadway <laughs> like. A,
2: <Yeah>. Let's dance. <laughs> Put on your red shoes and let's dance.
1: It's like a or it's like a like a, a old Vegas lounge singer kind of thing. I'm just having some fun. I'm just having a little hey, bit man. of fun. Listen, it's Sunday, man. <laughs> hey, listen, it's a day of re- <laughs> it's a day of rest, and it's time to have some fun, dude.
2: That was so funny. Hey, listen, man. Listen up, dude. Hey, listen! It's Sunday, bro.
1: It's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday only. The ticket will get you the whole seat, and you're only gonna need the edge. Sunday, Sunday, um, Sunday.
0: Let's dance. Let's dance. Put on um, your red shoes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, New Order. Um, and New Order is a great band. If, if, even if you went and looked just at like their, their greatest hits or best stuff, I guarantee you would know a song in there. They were they were really popular uh mainly in the 80s early 90s but uh yeah bizarre love triangle was a great song it was there was also a great cover by this um decently popular band called frente in the 90s that was like cutesy girl kind of rock they were a really cool band but they did a great cover too and i've always loved this song so i thought i'll take a stab at that one do kind of a fun reggae feel and uh yeah i'm pretty happy with it
2: well, we're going to be doing these every week, so I'm excited to see uh, how they evolve. And I know that next week we're both doing um, uh, our tributes to Adam Schlesinger, and uh, I'm doing that thing you do. What's the Fountains of Wayne tune you're doing?
1: I'm doing a Fountains of Wayne song called Mexican Wine. Yeah, it, 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 it almost seems weird recording a Fountains of Wayne song when he was the bass player in the band, but he, he and the singer
2: wrote everything. Yeah, he was primary songwriter for sure.
1: Yeah, he and if you guys don't know who he is, I mean, just even just look him up. Just on just his Wikipedia page, I mean, the amount of stuff that he wrote for for other things other than his own band is just amazing.
2: Uh, well, cool. Well, let's kick it to uh, the quarantine cover now, and then we'll talk to our friend Tom, and then we're gonna hear a song from me at the end. So uh, enjoy the rest of the show, folks. <laughs>
1: Ethan and Clint, we're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon.
2: That's right, every week Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon.
1: For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content.
2: But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free downloads of every cover Our World Blackened EP.
1: Ticket giveaways for shows like s 2 and Slain Castle.
2: Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memory like s 2 Guitar Picks Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the
1: show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions
2: And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and
1: more for becoming
2: a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast We couldn't do this show without you and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you Peace. Adios
0: <laughs>
2: well, here we are with our good friend Tom Kui from all the way across the pond.
4: How you doing, Tom? Thanks for joining the show. So good to come on again. I mean, you know, we take different paths. You've had James's guitar tech on. I recently did an episode on James's Joe Rogan experience, it's, you know, it's a niche versus the macrocosmic, but I appreciate coming on. I know we haven't got much planned, but uh, yeah, good to be on.
1: Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. It's always a pleasure, of course. And, uh, and we you know, I think your your podcast is kind of, I know it's not winding down, but the alpha, alphabet part of it uh, is kind of nearing the end. So it, so is your plan now going forward just to kind of make, like, cover like you're talking about, like stuff like Joe Rogan uh, podcast with James on it, stuff like that, beekeeping?
4: Yeah, Apiary. Yeah, it's becoming more of an anthology sort of thing. We did conclude quite a while ago now with, you know, You Really Got Me was technically the last song, episode 165. Uh, but then came back to do um, the Mosolov cover, the Iron Foundry that opens the second set on S&M 2. Uh, but since then through the never, you know, basically I went through your guys episode list and I was like, I don't really want to double them. So I need to cover stuff a little bit more out there, like the Rogan stuff. and you know, got Glastonbury coming up and stuff like that. We discussed, uh, metal massacre as well, which is of course the the first release from the boys, uh, hit the lights back there at the end. So, um, yeah, we're just kind of, you know, moving on. Like the world is, falling apart what do you make of this current news that's just come
2: out that james will no longer be doing the enhanced experience meet and greets i didn't think he was doing those well he quit doing them for like almost 10 years but once the world wired tour kicked up is when they they used to be free and they used to be you would just win them and it was like fan club stuff then they made them these enhanced premium experiences that you pay for and one of the big bargaining chips for that was james was going to be involved
4: Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, I definitely watched a lot of those, uh, death magnetic era, say anger era stuff where you see people getting the signed autographs and stuff. And James clearly hates it. And, you know, I I don't blame him. He doesn't want to be there. So what, why should he have to do it? Like, I know you guys have spoken before about Rush, um, beyond the light stage, incredible documentary of their history, Neil Peart. You know, they really put it on the table in that doc. Like they, he doesn't like it. Here's why. I, I respect that.
2: Yeah, I do too. Yeah,
1: some, you know, some artists are like that, and especially with you know everything going on right now with the coronavirus. And <clears throat> even though if that kind of goes away, Pet's
4: going to use that as an excuse. Like he just don't want to <laughs> do it. But be like, oh yeah, germaphobe.
1: In five years, Hey, you, you remember back in tw- you know 2020 coronavirus. I'm still you know keeping clear of that.
4: As long as the rust is getting reclaimed, like you don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to tell why. I think I think it's a combination of things. A lot of people are saying it's probably some sort of extension of rehab. That just uh, seems weird to me. Like, oh, it's a part of his rehab that he can't do it. It's like, ah. Uh, it makes more sense to me that he's just trying to use it, the the sort of deadly pan- global pandemic to just opt out of it cuz he he does, cl- he does clearly not like it. And I don't blame him.
1: Right. I could I could see uh the rehab thing extension of that. Honestly, um it's one thing you know he's on stage you know people are singing along to all the songs but a lot of what rehab is is kind of like you know tearing down your ego and maybe meet and greets sitting there with you know 20 30 40 fans just telling you every second how great you are and all that stuff maybe that's just not good for his psyche
4: um has that ever happened to you any of you guys you Ethan first have you done meet and greets
1: oh i think i'm in rehab
4: (laughs) (laughs) did Uh, you like sneak onto a few kings of leon ones like just pretend to be an extra brother or something
1: (laughs) no man no a a lot of my old bands you know we would do meet and greets you know we we weren't doing enhanced experiences for twenty five hundred dollars or anything like that but but no we would we would do uh meet and greets um you know sometimes official sometimes they would just kind of happen you know like after the show we'd be you know walking out to the bus and there's a bunch of fans hanging out it's essentially the same thing it never bothered me. I always kind of enjoyed it. It's always cool to hear, you know, people's stories about maybe you know, how they got into your music or you as a musician and stuff like that. Just you know, kind of get to know people on a little more personal level. And sometimes they get super weird and awkward, and you have to remove yourself from the situation.
4: That's cool and. Clint, I have some distant memory of you mentioning something happened. I'm, sh- I'm sure you've had a bad experience that scarred you. We, Yeah, I, I would meet fans all the time.
2: And, like, I even meet fans of the podcast on tour and bring them up on <laughs> the bus. And, and yeah, uh, Yeah. You know, there's always someone who doesn't know how to be cool. And we've had people before who just came on our bus, like just fans who just found our bus and someone forgot to lock the door and they just kind of came up. And that was oh, oh, yeah. really scary and uncool. But for the most part, it's really nice to talk to these people. And I've never walked away from the situation being like, Wow. I'm getting a big head from this. It's like James Hetfield knows that these people worship him. That's not going away just because he's refusing. It's He's meeting 10 people a night in a highly controlled environment. They're getting paid, so it kind of offsets some of that stuff. It just seems weird to me that he'd be like, well, I went to rehab again, and I'm 55 years old, and I've, I've got an ego issue now. It's like, what? No, he doesn't. I don't think maybe when he was in his 30s, he had a big ego problem when they were the biggest band in the world. But I, don't, I just can't see him being now like the guy he is being like, well, I, I just have to really cut back on this ego issue. He just doesn't seem like an ego guy anymore and hasn't for a long time.
1: Right. And maybe, maybe you know, like I said, as far as the program goes, maybe it's really not his call. It's like, hey, here's kind of the guidelines we want to put in place to help you, you know, maintain the sobriety, sobriety. And, you know, maybe the meet and greets was one of them. And he was kind of maybe, you know, like, what? Those are easy, you know, or whatever. But, well, no, you know, in our experience working with other artists, this is what we recommend. Who knows what the details of that are? But that, I mean, that's just me throwing something
2: against the wall. It seems so weird to me that, uh, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back for him to finally pick up a bottle again was that one last meet and greet. <laughs> it just doesn't re- <laughs> doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that, that that's what sent him back to rehab. I, I just think it's one of many things, maybe in his recovery, in his treatment, that. Is just kind of lumped in with, you know, 20 other things that, you know, he has to maybe change right. a little bit. I just right. don't know. Yeah.
2: Well, let's get back to the podcast real quick. So I actually remember the I remember exactly where I was because we had sold our house in Nashville and we sold our the The market in East Nashville got so crazy, Ethan, as you know, that when we sold it, right. we were living in a, a hip part of East Nashville called Inglewood and we sold our house within like three hours of putting it on the market really quick. We mm-hmm. couldn't find another house to live in. So we had to live in this rental in a kind of weird part of town. And it was a really weird time for us because we didn't really take any of our furniture. We only had a few things. We were waiting to close on this house we'd found. And I was sitting in this kind of barren, weird living room when I got the email of Tom Cui introducing himself to us, saying that... (laughs) I guess you were saying that you were... You were going to start the show earlier, but it ended up being a few months after us. And you were saying you were bummed because it was good. But you were saying, but I'm going to be doing this kind of different thing over here. And I would love to like, I just remember from the very beginning, you were really collaborative and cool and introduced yourself and absolutely kind of set the tone for what's become our friendship and our relationship these
4: three whatever years later. Do you remember that, Tom? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I was waiting a long while to do the show and I was so surprised because I, The show you guys started like the right the turn of twenty seventeen right yeah that was yeah so you did like a little cluster of episodes and I've been podcasting for a little while you know people know that I did the Tom Waits podcast stuff and I'd be just been a fan of the format in general for like probably a decade at that point or you know whatever. And it always baffled me that there weren't any Metallica podcasts really before us. Okay, there were a few, but there were none that really kinda pioneered I, I did justice, I felt, to the monolithic nature of Metallica. You know what I mean? It's it's wild that it was twenty seventeen. It was like getting towards the end of Obama's like second term. There weren't really any big Metallica podcasts. I remember
1: when, you know, before we launched ours being on the road and searching and searching and searching online for any other metallica podcast i found like two or three that like like got announced and then nothing yeah they have a few
4: keywords in the seo you know what i mean but they're not like
1: yeah so hey we jumped on it
4: you were you were there and it's not to say that there weren't podcasts before obviously Beatles pods and Bob Dylan and stuff that you know and continue to be huge ones subsequently but uh but yeah no um basically the catalyst for me doing the podcast was getting the back to the front book which we would actually go on to speak about my first appearance on the show we reviewed that incredible coffee table book detailing the uh, you know justice era and the recording of the album the tour and all that, that stuff that was the
2: pup the puppets era
4: Oh, excuse me. Yeah, what the fuck? You're fired. Yeah. You're fired. Yeah. No wonder
1: your podcast is ending.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I, I just like, you know, kind of was get reinvigorated by that and the Nimes concert and certain other things. And just like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this kind of alphabetical exploration. And like you were saying before, even like I was searching wildly for different Metallica pockets. And I don't know why, because you guys were out at the time, but I just must have missed you. Or maybe purposely I wasn't looking or, you know, I don't really know. But um, yeah, found the episodes, was ready to hate. Like (laughs) begrudgingly click play because obviously I love Metallica, so it's like oh, there's a Metallica podcast. I kind of want to hear it. And you know, you did the classic strategy of releasing a few episodes up front. It's quite charming when you go back to those Spartan times. There's no real emails. The whole episode's like forty nine minutes or something like that. (laughs) You know, it's it's really it's really rustic. But but that that was it really because I've been doing Battle Up Resume as well, my other podcast you know that whole spirit of collaboration of reaching out to people of just messaging some guy on facebook that you've seen perform and over a skype connection you can broadcast to lots of other people and just that you know that that opening holistic nature is is kind of what i love about this art form so uh so yeah i I wanted to hate don't get it wrong i did want to hate you guys but (laughs) i I couldn't really do it (laughs)
2: We were too charming. Well, we were too charming. Yeah, That's how it works. We're, yeah, yeah exactly. we too charming. And, and you're like, too nice, Tom.
4: All your characters as well. Like, you know, someone needs to, on the Patreon, you need to just do a little kind of anthology of all the different people you've explored and all the voices and references. It's it's a wild tapestry.
2: I had an idea, a pretty ambitious idea once, and I wanted to uh, uh, coordinate it with the, one of the, the people who listen to our show that do animation, where I wanted to do, like, an animated press conference with all the characters <laughs> uh, and so they can all sort of show up, and Chris and...
4: Yurgis will fund that.
2: <laughs> Old Metallica, he might be With able to Metallic help make Blood. it happen for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, so. Yeah. It has been a weird ride. Yeah, it has been a weird ride. And I always loved your show because uh, it's a brave format because you have got someone that you've never talked to before oh, coming yeah. on for every song, and most of the time it worked out great, and uh, and it was really fascinating getting everyone's perspective, and it really I think in terms of the community of the podcasts. That gave a lot of people a voice. I mean, we do these metal tales from the road. We have people on occasionally, but you did it for every song. But you're also yeah, gambling yeah. with that occasional person that just maybe doesn't have a lot of experience talking much or you know um, articulating their, their oh, yeah. many oh, thoughts yeah. about I, the I song.
4: Ninety say, percent say of the guests have never been on a podcast before,
2: right? And that and that
1: can be nerve wracking for some people because.
4: But they've emailed in. Though, crucially, I'm not asking them to be on like they that's want true, to be right. on so
1: there's a subconscious yeah. thing though when they know you're recording oh yeah something definitely. something switches, red light man.
4: syndrome yeah red skype syndrome yeah definitely yeah <laughs> people can 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 get a little you know uh a little muish maybe and just kind of but most to my astonishment and i totally agree with what you're saying Clay. like you know it shouldn't really work and i'm not saying this is the greatest podcast in the world or whatever but we're doing now on the show now that we've kind of finished the show proper as we keep saying i'm doing compilation episodes so basically i'm going back and i'll go into like you know load or whatever and i'll get the whole track list in, i'll get all the episodes where we discuss all those tracks put it in order with clips take out the intro and the outro so it's just me and that guest talking about the song for you know 10-15 minutes whatever it is so they run to like 90 minutes and listen back and if i do say so myself they're pretty listenable like you know for the most part. Uh, the show the occasion whatever it gives us this rapport and it and it is always quite informative and um you know there hasn't really been many episodes that i think have been terrible there's been a few in the back of my head where i'm like obviously this could be better and people you know you listen and you understand that but uh you know and we don't even have an intro it's not like i sit with the guys and we chat for 20 minutes and then we go and it's like skype work yep hey welcome to Al Vitalica, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. You jump right in I I
2: try to do the same thing when we do the metal tales just get right in there get right in there mm. get it going yeah absolutely
1: maybe you, know, maybe you know sometimes you know you give someone a little bit of a heads up hey we're going to talk about this this and this whatever oh, yeah. maybe 10 30 to 20 seconds and then you then you record
2: I, I do give a little pep, pep talk where I'm like hey here's the deal you know and like you're you're guiding us through this experience I'm going to be here with you to sort of you know curate it but You're really telling us the story and putting us there. A, A little bit of that does put him at ease, I find, but... Mm-hmm. There are some people that just it's, it's just such a new
4: experience. Did you ever have any episodes, Tom, that were, you couldn't put out? No, no. There is one episode that people might be aware of. Uh, I want to say it's an infamous episode, but that's as if to say that I've seen people talk about it and they never have. But just in my head, it's one that I'm like, oh, this wasn't great. Well, basically I had this, I think he was like eight. I had like an eight-year-old boy on the show. <laughs> 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 and uh, it went terribly. I uh, the Beholder. You know, it was
2: Slim Pickens on that song. What song was that? Know,
4: uh fight fire with fire
2: oh man wow
4: and i don't want to blame the guy but basically his dad got in touch and he was like oh my son like he wasn't called heavy metal luke but it was something like that right and he had this vlog and he would like review cds on a webcam and he he'd go through like U U2's discography and he loved metallic you know whatever and this was just this feverish time when I was doing the pod when I was doing loads of episodes beside the songs as well. I was just, you know, so into the creation of it. So I just said yes and it was stacking up and it was months away or whatever. And, you know, it's not his fault. He's eight, of course, but he was quite shy and yeah. it was just quite a muted, brief conversation. Like anyone who spoke to a child that doesn't really want us to do it knows what I'm talking about. So, uh, right, yeah, there's there's that one. But no, there's nothing I'd never actually not put out, no.
2: Did you ever run into an issue with people who, multiple people who wanted to be on the same song and then they were maybe disappointed that they they didn't get the spot or something?
4: I mean, there's a few people that, you know, might moan a little bit and bristle about, oh, I wanted this and X and Y. But most people were just happy to be on and, you know, uh, how it would work. People would get in touch. I mean, you can still get in touch with me if you want to come on the show in some capacity. Uh, I'm getting people on in the future to discuss them at Glastonbury, as I say. We're going to talk about the history of Metallica's stage designs. Uh, I'm also going to review the Milton Keynes show as well. Um, So yeah, there's lots of cool stuff coming up. But yeah, MetallicaPod at Gemma.com, get in touch with me there. And I would just email people, okay, here's the next five songs. So here's the L's that are left, pick what you want. And some people would be like, oh my God, this cover's available. Or some people might be like, oh, fucking Leopard Messiah's there. And I didn't really play favorites. Like It got to the point later on, though, where i was just getting people back like i was getting people i'd had on that i knew had really good episodes with and i was just like let's just talk about something else what do you want to talk about
2: right and then and then we were on we i did better than you ethan did blackened we both did inner sandman and
4: i think i did i did unforgiven
2: Oh yeah yeah and then you
4: did um a beyond magnetic tune just a uh, bullet did... away that's right oh you also did form within as well
2: and thorn within yeah wow Yeah,
4: you're on a few times it's
2: on there a lot yeah it's cool yeah, yeah. I think another interesting thing about you, Tom, and maybe a reason that we're also kindred spirits is because if you start to dig a little beyond the Metallica stuff, you're, you're you're kind of an unassuming Metallica fan. And I think we have that to an extent too, maybe a little less so, but you start to dig into kind of who you are. You you do this battle rap thing. You had done a Tom Waits podcast. You're doing, you're, you're currently doing a pun podcast. You like a lot of other kinds right. of music. You're kind of a bookish guy. You like games a lot. Ethan and I, I think, you know, that's I wouldn't say we've wrestled with it, but we have had to sort of we have had to sort of drag some of our listeners with us into some other areas that aren't heavy metal, mm. you know? And I think I was even doing an Instagram Live last night and and uh, people were asking me various, do you like this metal song? And I didn't even know the songs. And I could just, well, I, I not even that I could sense it. Some of them were actually telling me they were disappointed that I didn't know some of these metal songs. <laughs> and I'm I don't like, care. Shut it's up!" Like, it's like, like well, I, I just, I like other stuff, man. What can I say? And I think
4: you're like that too. Yeah, completely. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I think it was Christopher Hitchens that said something about atheism where he's such an atheist, he can't believe, he can't even believe that other people believe in God, like he's not willing to take that step. And that's how I feel about people who, quote unquote, are disappointed in people for not knowing music. Like, they don't love music like I love music. And I'm not flaunting that on the street. I'm not telling you how to like music. But I know how it makes me feel. And I feel like people who get preoccupied with that shit, like, they're posers. <laughs> yeah, I think it is used to, that... co- to quote James. <laughs>
2: i i think i think a nicer way to put that because i i definitely am aligned with you on that is that is that it's more sad to me it's because it's, it's such a small if if like all of your time and energy we and again, ain't heard
4: every dime bag riff like calm down even though he's fire
2: and again anyone can anyone can listen to music and love whatever they love it's i'm not prescribing anyone do anything or live the way i live but it does seem mm-hmm. to me that you are missing out on a whole world of other good stuff when you're Absolutely. when you're closed off you know
4: yeah completely
1: i, I find that uh I, and tom i don't know if you collect vinyl or not me and clint obviously do but i find that when i'm on the road back when we used to be able to do that um being a big lover of vinyl going to record stores is where i i kind of expand my taste even more i'll i'll, I'll pick up something just based off an album cover it looks so cool and like the dollar bin or, or whatever and then all of a sudden i'm a big huge fan of this artist and I like clint said i think there's just so much that people are missing out on if you kind of stick to one band or genre you know for so long and some people are diehard metalheads yeah. till the day they die and that's great that's your choice go for it but i just yeah i'm up to you guys i mean i i choose to to you know expand and continue to expand my musical taste for the rest of my life
4: you have to like you know i'm not i i'm not a vinyl collector like it doesn't really interest me in that way just to be honest with you like i i appreciate it but you know, I am, I suppose, a digital slob. Like, I live on playlists, Spotify playlists. And obviously, yeah. I love albums as well. But, you know, I've been keeping... It just hit me today. I've been keeping this pod, this playlist on Spotify called New Additions to the Flock. It's just my thing. And I just throw songs in there if I enjoy it. And it's coming up to 10 years. And I can go back year by year. And I guess that's my amoeba in a, in a certain way, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, but I see even, you know, on Instagram all the time, you're posting records that you're listening to and yeah, stuff totally. like that, like, you know, w- w- which is great to see, like, but, um, but yeah, you've got, you've got to keep exploring, I suppose. You've got to have that mentality to find the next great song or the next great album or music has a lineage. Um, did, Do you guys know Grill Marcus? No. I'm he's like a music name. critic. Yeah, he's. I, I've just got into it myself. He's kind of an esteemed American guy, a bit like Robert Christgau or, you know, those sort of people. But um, anyway, he's got this book, The History of Rock and Roll in 10 Songs. And he goes through that idea like he's basically saying that the history of rock and roll has been explored so much and we all know it from the delta blues to alan Freed to you know whatever zeppelin etc um so let's consider each song kind of representative of a thing of an essence in rock and roll and he went from um you know the beatles exploring the theme of money to a song that i hadn't heard before i know this is an 80s classic so maybe i just missed it now i only listed this the other day uh cindy lauper's money changes everything that's a good song
1: Never heard it. Sandy Lauper, outside of her hits, has some great tunes.
4: Yeah, yeah. That album uh, that had girls just want to have fun time after time. Uh, I forget what it's called and I think But yeah, that's her. She's So she's, Unusual. She's So Unusual. That album Got is Got it on Stella. vinyl. <laughs> I, no way. No way. I do, yeah. That's crazy. Okay, that is a... Yeah, Money Changes Everything, I guess, is the point I wanted to make there. <laughs> it's a very good song.
2: I think the thing that we can forgive the listeners for is, like, we do do a Metallica podcast, so we have... I think we 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 have a wider scope of this thing, and we come from a lot of different eclectic areas, but we have kind of hunkered down and camped out in the world of Metallica, which I think kind of speaks to the power of that band, that it could capture our minds, you know, uh, people with such diverse... and It's not just like a metalhead thing, is what I'm trying to say, you know? Right, like, yeah. You know, we all love the Beatles, and uh, we could talk about a lot of other kind of music that would be a lot, a lot less heavy and stuff. But it's really this band for some reason has become really special to all three of us, and obviously a lot Mm -hmm. of our listeners too. So, here's what I was worried about when Ethan brought the idea to me: is I was worried about a like the show being good because I I knew it would take a lot of time and energy to make the show good. And anyone who's ever tried to do this and who's who's made it last longer than ten episodes knows how hard it can be to do it consistently good. But I was also kind of worried about what it would do, to how it would augment me as a Metallica fan. Like, would I get sick yeah. of the band? Was, am I oversaturating myself in this thing I love? There was this real danger of sort of having too much of it in a way. And mm. I've had to just sort of manage that in my own way and take little breaks and dip in and out. And going through their their careers kind of helped me do that because they're they're... They're one of these great bands that didn't just sit and and not evolve. They evolved so much. And we're going to get into that, with especially with Reload and, and St. Anger, because yep. they evolved in ways that kind of bum people out. But it does give me a little bit of variety if I'm going to really focus on this. Did you experience any of that in your journey over the last three years, Tom?
4: That doesn't really bother me, to be honest with you. I am burnt out on them. I'm not ashamed to say it. And I explore new music like we're just saying. like Metallica, they're not a podcast band, of course. They're a band that I adore. But I adore hundreds of bands like you know and i love their history and i love reading up on them and digesting them obviously i've spent a lot of time metallica but you know was it a cynical choice that i picked metallica obviously the band that i deeply love but I could have done this about the replacements, but no one really cares about that band. Like, you know, so <laughs> it's not, re- even though like Tim and Let it, Ethan, I'm sure you know, Let It Be, like, you know, just remarkable records from them. Like, yeah, band.
1: the replacements are great.
4: Yeah, yeah. Paul Westberg is absolutely genius. But um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, and I've had a sort of different relationship with their discography in the sense where I've been listening to a song or two constantly, week on week on week on week. And I'm not saying that's meant I've gotten bored of them or anything like that, but, like, I've just pff, maybe had my fill.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, all that, and, and, you know, you listen to stuff so many times in a row. It's like, like Clint said, it's, just, it's, it's good to take not a break the here dead. There from stuff.
4: There's not that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? <laughs> but, I do, you know, listen, I do the and same Kirk thing. Kirk like... is
4: not Jerry Garcia. <laughs> I like, I'll take it up for free. <laughs> oh, my God. He loved, they oh, love man. the war the same, but they ain't the same. That's true.
1: Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. And maybe because, you know, I have such a, a wide variety of taste in music. Um, it's not often that I have to kind of step back from the music of Metallica. It, it's pretty rare, but I also don't listen to it every single day of my life. You know, a lot of it does revolve around doing the podcast with Clint, but, um, yeah, every once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll be driving and I'll put on, you know, Red Lightning or whatever record. And uh, it's nice to take a break here and there because then, you know, those those records start to feel fresh again, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me to 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 take care of yourself. It's okay to walk away from something, come back to it, rediscover a new thing. But I think taking taking the podcast seriously involves a lot of immersion. And there's just, Mm -hmm. you you know, it's no comment on how big or not big a fan you are. Anything you immerse yourself in for years and years and years, it just it starts to just take on different kinds of power, you know. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I wonder if for people who would listen through the whole journey if they can kind of hear those waves go up and down. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to tell. Mm. I, have, I have no idea either. <laughs> Let's all listen to all every episode of our show today together.
4: <laughs> Let's do a podcast about your podcast.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna be- <laughs> metal up your metal up your podcast. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Well, tell us about these other
2: podcasts that you're doing.
4: Uh, Well, started with the Tom Waits podcast, which resumed about a year ago or so. That was the first podcast me and my friend Sam went to school together. We went through Waits' entire discography album by album. So each episode in the middle period, in the island period, are like three hours long, like song by song sort of thing. Uh, and then battle rap Resume, so I'm really into battle rap, competitive wordplay in the UK scene and in the US scene. But the thing that Clint's going to come on for is what you mentioned before, Punit. So this is my new podcast that I've just recently started doing. It's a game show podcast of a game yes. that we kind of made up in secondary school, uh, a wordplay game. So essentially it's called Punnett and I host it and we have three guests who are given sets of categories prior to the game. And they basically have to, um, you know, come up with puns and stuff like that for those ideas. So if we had like, you know, I don't know, vehicles and body parts, uh, aeroblane Aerobrain, that sort of stuff, you know. But go check it out. We've had like poets on there and we've had uh, videographers from Leeds and stuff like that. It's just a bit of fun, really. But, you know, but AlphaTalega is always going to be there. And it's something that I'm enjoying continuing to do but um yeah. you know it is a relief not to be doing two episodes a week now like you know it was uh it was enjoyable because they were brief but like like you keep saying you got to stay on top of this thing like you can't let a week go by
1: yeah absolutely well yeah i, mean, I, mean, I remember go in, ahead, Ethan. in the early i'm in the uh, in the you know early maybe the first year we were doing this podcast you know you mentioned doing two episodes in a week there was nights we were recording two hour and a half long episodes a night or not on night, but like in one night, and it was just mm-hmm. exhausting, you know, and we, you have to figure out ways to kind of spread it out. and Through the see, tours know, as well,
4: there was a lot was a lot of hotel rooms, I seem to remember, in some episodes.
1: Oh, we've done a ton of uh, yeah remote episodes when, when both of us were on the road, you know, more full time. And uh, I mean, shoot, there was episodes where I was in, you know, Eastern
2: Europe and Clint would be in, you know, Washington or something. It was, yeah, you just made it work. It's kind of amazing that we did all that. I, th- I think that, uh, you know, it, it's almost like the podcast live is a microcosm of just life in general. I, that would consider that kind of our, our young, dumb days where we were like, <laughs> I feel like these days would be set with those kinds of geographical o- uh, obstacles. We would just be like, uh, let's just take the week off. You're in Romania. <laughs> Instead of no, like, I mean, we have to figure out no, how to no make it. You you work. Gotta get
0: it. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> oh, I specifically remember, speaking of Romania, I, rem- I remember being in Romania. And the hotel Wi Fi was not great. I had my interface in my laptop. Literally, like the do- hotel room door cracked open so I could get better signal from the hallway. And then I was like, <sighs> like in the bathroom or Amazing. something. So I wasn't bugging people in the hallway. Or, you know, it, it barely worked, but it, it, we made it happen. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Well, so one of the things that's kind of happened throughout the life of the show is this sort of fun, tongue in cheek, but also maybe not totally joking feud about reload. <laughs> Tom, Tom became the uh, sort of epitome of the reload sucks guy And uh, in fact one of the people on the socials just now Said that we should get Tom screaming reload sucks To like have like as a bumper drop for the show which We should <laughs> we should totally do that Let's get into sort of that a little bit So people have been introduced to you on the show before They kind of know that you're more of a sane anger guy You're not real big on the mm-hmm. load Anyone who's heard your show too When you go through those songs You know you're, oh, you're pretty uh, You can be pretty vicious about and honest about the stuff that you do and don't like about metallica so where does it start to drop off for you are you a black album guy and then is it just load and reload or is it kind of
4: anything in the 90s what's what's your take on that it's definitely not anything in the 90s because garage ink disc one i think is absolutely fantastic uh you know sm as well i'm a big fan of obviously black Album, you know i guess it's in the 90s of course it is but Load and Reload, to me, are just pedestrian and watery for the most part. Like, I kind of, like, the problem is you have to respect them for their direction, apparently, and their bold fearlessness. To, what if the direction shit? What if it's just this kind of slightly, you know, I don't want to rant here about Reload or whatever, but... Uh, uh, oh, please life, do. <laughs> life, life, as we know, is very short, and I just find these albums quite boring. I, I, I don't really sa- hear a band trying for the most part. But I know you guys love these songs, and I know that got your back up a little, because when I hear people talk about music that I love in the way that I'm talking about, it, it annoys me as well. And I'm not trying to goad listeners or yourselves, but... um. Uh, If it's a one-on-one contest, if I'm just picking songs that I like from the album, if we're just dealing in statistics, I like more from, say, Anger than Reload. I I can't deny that.
1: I mean, I think I'm with you, uh, or not currently, but my younger self would be with you. At a certain age, I did find those records kind of bland and boring. Um, But also because I was, you know, had been a fan uh, since Justice came out. And at the same time and age, I was getting into so many other styles of music that I think it, to me it was coming off as bland and boring now the older i got and you know the more uh you know broad my music taste was getting that's kind of what brought me back to those records i've got a broad taste you know i've got i've got a taste broad enough
4: for reload like there's no it's a very shallow thing to swallow like it ain't broad (laughs) Hey, I believe they say Wilco. You know what I mean? Like they say Radiohead. Like
1: I think taking that really long break uh, from those records and even even kind of from the band. I mean, it wasn't until uh, S and M and Garage Inc came were coming out. So basically, that I was you're like, saying you ah. understand
4: at my age? Is that what you're saying?
1: I said if if, if you were 16 <laughs> right now, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense right now to you. Here's what doesn't make <laughs>
2: se- Here's what doesn't make sense to me. So, because well, first of all, it's almost like we just are on, from different planets, both of you, because. I just never heard, and this is more about my age than me being smarter or broader or anything. I just was too young and dumb to even hear a difference. It just, all I heard was Metallica. And so, yeah. it. And I didn't have all that, like, I didn't grow up with them in the 80s and have all that pure butthurt stuff where I was like, oh, I was there when Kill 'em All hit, came and there was nothing like it and they've betrayed that. I just didn't have any context for that. So to me, the line from, Want the one video and in Inner Sandman to fuel it was just like, oh, it's Metallica playing their new song, and the new song kicks ass, right? But what's what is weird to me is that Tom doesn't like reload for all those reasons that it, it, I, you know, the songs are kind of long and repetitive and don't justify themselves. It would make more sense if you also didn't like Saint Anger, but it's so bizarre to me that you do like <laughs> Saint Anger because. The songs are way longer, way more repetitive, way more they cannot justify them. I listened to it again way this morning and I was like, oh my God. I don't sincere maybe. Yeah. They're raw. The sound of the guitar raw.
4: absolutely outstrips the reload sound, the say anger sound, the rhythm sound. What a snarl. Like the reload's got a muzzle on it. Like what is this puddle of mud? Like what what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was you listening to the, the band Puddle of Mud
2: That was the wrong record, yeah. dude
4: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Words of Puddle of Mud But I just, I can't get past it It's this bog Like, I think say, Anger kind of strips through Yes, it is repetitive Yes, the song say Anger, the second song, the title track 7 minutes 21, way too long On the show, we discussed there's no real middle part It just kind of repeats itself But that vocal release The fuck it all, fucking no regrets That riff, the clatter like I don't think anything gets your heart racing like that on reload. You know what really surprised me today listening to it? I was like,
2: you know, the the album St. Inger is pretty tight. Like the chuggy, mm-hmm. chunky stuff and like the the kick drum, the bass, it's it's pretty it's not as loose as I remembered. Mm-hmm, the tough right. the tough things are the things we all know, of course, the snare, blah blah blah. I don't even want to get into yeah. that because that's just so boring at this point. But mm-hmm. it's like Jason's bass. it's like yeah. The biggest thing that, other than that, the ping ping ting ting guy is the vocals are just so raw and like intentionally unproduced, untuned. It's like they tried to get the song really soon after writing it so the phrasing's not really pocketed great. And I I feel like if they had just spent a little more time putting some TLC into the vocals, it would have been better. And and if they had edited down some of the songs. I made a note today, and we're not going to go through a track by track or anything. We're just sort of doing bigger, broader ideas here. But Shoot Me Again, which... I was like, oh, these, this album, I will say this in your defense, Tom, this album will take you on a ride. I mean, I felt like I was on a mm-hmm. ride. Oh, yeah. Where I'm like, I'm, w- one minute I'm like, this is pretty good. The next minute I'm like, I hate this. And the next minute I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> like the all the, sho- the, the, the all the shots <laughs> I take part. All the shots I take get back on you.
4: I was like, man, that's really cool. You don't, you don't like the answer riff in the chorus. I ain't dead. Burn out now. Come on. Like, is that not ominous? It's Okay. But like the system of a down kind of verses,
2: like the whispery stuff, and then it's really loud. But at a point, at like mm. the five minute point, it sort of ends, and you're like, Well, okay. But then it's got like two and a half more minutes where it's like and then and then the fatigue of St. Anger starts to kick in where it's like, mm-hmm.
1: oh Yeah. Oh my it's God. Completely, dudes. Fat. completely great. Well, it's also also too with songs that long and not having any lead guitar work on the record just makes those parts seem like forever. Not to yeah. have anything mm-hmm. interesting happening when that one riff is just repeating for the next two and a half minutes. Right.
2: And not even lack of solos either. It's like, you know, usually when you're when you're recording a, a rock song, I don't mean to sound patronizing or condescending or anything, but you'll record like a couple of rhythm parts that are just meant to reinforce each other, be thick and soupy and cool. But even if you're not playing a solo, and this is what I like about Load and Reload, you'll have other guitars doing colorful things. Maybe they've got a weird right. effect on them. Maybe they're doing a counter melody. Just all kinds of little, uh, little flavor, little flavored nuggets. Yeah, Sanera doesn't have any of that color. It does a little bit on like, a, one of the coolest sounds on the record is the beginning of some kind of monster that really fuzzed out.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: like kind of if, 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 Yeah. If they had done a couple of more days, like all the records I've done, like the records I do with Bob Schneider, we do all the rhythm tracks with the drums and bass, including guitars, and then every they all go away. And then I'll do a couple of days with the producer where I'll it, all it is is color, all it is is mm. like different guitars, different
4: amps, different pedals, different parts. I kind of hate that. You hate it, but you like Radiohead. It doesn't really add anything to the song. Like I get what you're saying, but in reloading, songwriting in general, like I just. It's about melody. It's about lyrics. About instrumentation. It's not about frilly little reverb diddles. Like,
2: well, I agree. The song's got to be there. If, if if you're if you're yeah. just polish, we call that in the biz that the uh, the technical term is called polishing a turd. And yes. uh, you can put as much sprinkle sprackle on a song, but if the melody's not there and the lyrics not there and the power isn't in the actual like nugget of the song, then it won't matter. But yeah. something like Saint Anger is so raw and so intense that it it really could have benefited from editing and from color, I believe. You yeah, know?
1: and also too, and to, to your point, Clint, I mean, if you don't have a song, I mean, there's not much you can do to it, and that's the big issue with me with Saint Anger is I just think the songwriting aspect of that record is is just not that good. I mean, there's 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 things I like. I think there's you know certain songs where like the the the, the tempo and the melody and the riffs are awesome. But then lyrically, it's just kind of like you know, like you know, the song "Saint Anger" is probably my, that one is probably my favorite one on the record, and I love the aggression of it. I love how powerful it is and stuff. But like, there's just some bad lyrics. In oh, there that and, bridge and, and is rough, fl- dude. Yeah.
2: That bridge is rough. He says, "I want my anger to be me." It's just and 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 <laughs> I've I've really really butt hurt some people out there in uh in in the world by calling this an AA record, but it just clearly is. It's so buzzy of that like he. It just he's clearly out of rehab, which was a big deal for him and a big deal for lots sure. of people and inspiring to lots of people. I obviously understand the importance of being sober if you're a, an addict and all that. So I'm not criticizing the program or the process or sobriety, nothing like that. And if, you, if that's how you're hearing this, then you're a fool. That's all I can say. But the, the lyrics suffered from this big time because having your ego, we were talking earlier about rehab is about destroying your ego. And John Lennon went through this too. John Lennon went through a big ego thing and talked about it. And that's why his output around Sgt. Pepper was less than Paul McCartney's and why it got kind of weird and weak and why he came back with so much power in the 70s. But because right. you can't write from an egoless place. Ego is such an important tool when you're, when you're making creative statements. And especially when they're deeply personal like James likes to write. So what do you have in this time? You have him sharing lyric duties with not only other members of the band who should not be writing lyrics. Sorry, they just shouldn't. But not only them, Phil Tao, writing lyrics Phil. for Metallica. And it just, that's a big flaw of the record, I think. Yeah, I agree.
4: I don't mind Lifestyle Determines My Death Star. I don't think it's that bad of a lyric. <laughs> that's okay. That's not as bad. <laughs> Do You know what I mean? I think that's actually kind of witty, in a way. <laughs> that's Kirk, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's the best. Then any of Leeds, is fucking... Like, I think the frilliness on St. Anger, the dressing, whatever you want to call it, I think it would detract from the songs. I think it's kind of part of the song is that the riff it, you know, is half finished coming out of a kind of cocked open amp. Like it's just kind of, it's a very cathartic nature. And I'm not, tr- don't get me wrong. I'm not saying saying is like the greatest record ever. It's not. I'm just saying, I think it's a little bit better than Reload. Like, you know, <laughs> for me as well, Mem- Memory Remains pisses me off. It's not a song <laughs> I regard highly. What? Yeah.
2: All right, well let's let's unpack that. What 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 angers you about the memory remains?
4: It's obsessed with five seven. Like if anyone that plays guitar knows that the kind of you know the the five seven on the fretboard, whatever on the A string, that kind of patterning forms the basis of millions of riffs all over the world. But for some reason, in load and reload, it just becomes so enchanced in the guitar playing that everything feels very samey. Like, things do not differ in the way that, say, Anger differs or the Black Album. And I think Member Remains is, like, patient zero for that in the verses. (laughs) It just has such a kind of...
2: Too soon to use that phrase, bro. Too soon. Yeah,
4: but, like, uh, just a lethargic uh, dance there that I can't really get behind. And, you know, also Mario Faithful, eh, Kind of, kind of
2: great i could do without that i could do without mary faithful but i think that melody i mean you said you're a melody guy that feels
4: really Phil, very lived in doesn't really feel a metallica melody
2: i think it does you're saying it doesn't feel like
1: one
4: yeah it just it doesn't feel like that could have gone on like an orion era track like there isn't anything that mythic or essential about that melody i find it a bit carousel <laughs> <laughs> There's um, that. There's that
2: colorful language we've come there to. We are. Speaking Tom of color, it's, it's a bit carousel. I mean, I'm getting
4: deep here. I mentioned grill markers before. Like, what am I even saying about music? But no, like, um you, you know, again, everyone has different ears. Everyone listens to everything differently. And you know, like, to, to argue about the song is like to try and change someone's mind on their favorite color, isn't it? It's like it's, it's not going to happen. Sure. Like, you know, you, there's no dog in the fight. But totally
2: agree. It's all subjective. It's completely subjective and there's no right and wrong answer, except in this case in which Tom is completely wrong. I think we can all agree. Sell
4: uh, uh, me, sell me on memory remains. What do you love about this song?
1: I I, I love the the draggy tempo of it. I, I think the, the riff you're talking about, the five to seven thing, I think it's so simple and so basic, very almost like Sabbathy. Uh I think almost everything Ooh. about the song, just musically alone, you could sing along to. You know, all that kind of stuff is catchy to me, just as catchy as the melody is,
2: and the Marion Faithful part. And check and out this and the snare part. Ba, 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 da, 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 da.
1: Yeah, and and I also think that uh, the <Favor Geoff> the, uh, the the Marian Faithful part to me that is a very quintessential Kirk kind of lead, not lead, just it's just a melody essentially, mm. and and I think it's become. Such a huge part of their show, and they play that song yes. when, you, when you're in a stadium and everyone's singing a guitar part. You know that you've you know stumbled on something good.
2: I also think the lyric is interesting. I, I think it's an interesting portrayal of this sort of Sunset Boulevard, Billy Wilder thing. It's a story song that's not as personal to James, which he didn't do much of. I thought that was kind of interesting lyrical ground for him, uh, and it, it it sits in its own sort of unique space of his songwriting lyrically. And I, I liked the, uh, uh, I liked the imagery too, the Dance Little Tin Goddess, like I could really, I th- I thought it delivered a really creepy, eerie vision of this mm-hmm. washed up celebrity fame chasing person who just lost all the magic. And I always found it kind of haunting. I, th- I thought that they just really nailed the premise. Mm,
4: mm, no, good point. And I didn't really even consider the subject matter, but just in terms of the, The melody, I don't know, the composition. Uh, I do love Kirk's solos, though. The solo breaks. I do too. Those intro leads. Irresistible, though.
2: What's your favorite song on Reload?
4: I mean, it probably is Fuel, but if not Fuel, uh, Bad Seed. Oh, yeah, you do like Bad Seed. I do. I think what is Bad it about Bad Seed that you like so much? I think Bad Seed, if you're going to do your ZZ Top Lagrange Grange riffing, uh, which just kind of dominates this album as well, and I think Bad Seed is the best example for it. I like P.T. Barnum James. I like the ringleader aspect. I think Kirk's tight. I like the splashy drums on the Hang the Noose Again. Like, it just has that kind of... You know, high noon swagger. I don't know, and it's short as well. I think it's the shortest song on the album, in like four minutes.
2: Yeah, the, the short is short serves well. I mean, some of the songs do feel long. Even my covers of some of these uh, load and reload era songs, mm. I'll even take, I'll even edit out certain parts. Like, mm. and Mama said they do the bridge twice. Why? In uh, in Lowman's lyric, they do the bridge twice. Why? The song's why, already why? like eight minutes long. Yeah, so I, I I can see that criticism. You and I,
1: Clint, when we've gone through those records, have, have talked about the the load and reload fatigue. You know, by the end of the record, you're kind of just, oh my gosh, that's so long. I'm burnt on this thing. <sighs>
2: Think about how different the world was when that was even something they bragged about. That was like a selling point of the record. It's one of the longest CDs ever made, or whatever. You yeah. Know?
4: <laughs> now yeah, the
2: the sort of the way that people consume music would, would be like, ooh, I don't know if I'm interested mm, in that's, that. That's too long.
4: Didn't they have to cut? They had have to cut some of the that. solo, didn't they, from Outlaw Torn or something? Yeah, they yeah. they
2: cut out they cut out that like the jam at the end of Outlaw Torn, which made the song better. People, that's not a popular opinion, but it was an
4: okay jam. Like you, exactly. you, you know, you like Dave Matthews Band. It wasn't that sort of woodshedding, you know, like
2: yeah. But I'm kind of a unique Dave fan too, in that um, I I don't really I I went to some shows, but maybe five and. I don't listen to the bootlegs because I like the album versions where they don't jam. Sure. I love Dave Matthews. Yeah. I love the songs a lot. So anytime yeah. that they turned a song that I love into like a, a fifteen minute jam, I'm like, that's three or four more songs I'm not getting, and it really bums me out. I don't like <laughs> the jammy part. Yeah,
1: at least with a band like Dave Matthews Band, or really any jam band, you kind of know what you're getting into going to a show. It, I guess it was a little more surprising when Metallica would kind of venture into longer songs like that. You know, they got a little jammy.
2: Ethan what's your favorite song on Reload? Probably Unforgiven 2. Yeah, that's the same for me.
1: I love Memory and stuff, but Unforgiven 2 to me is just uh it's a it's a pretty perfect song in my opinion. I, um I don't know. I, I love James's lyrics. I love them. I love the melodies so much. Uh it's one of those songs that when I listen to it like even if I'm not really paying attention, it's just on, it, gets still, it still moves me. I still feel something from it, even after all these years later.
2: Tom, where do you place... Uh, how, how would you order the Unforgiven trilogy from, from your favorite to least
4: favorite? I only like Unforgiven 1.
1: <laughs> Tell us how you <laughs> really feel, Tom.
2: <laughs> so That's such uh... a Tom Quee answer. <laughs> that was a very... <laughs> so, you don't like Unforgiven 3 at all? No, nah, not really. You don't like James's uh, nautical,
4: his nautical nightmare? It doesn't really work for me. And Unforgiven 2, I find artistically bankrupt (laughs) to just go. (laughs) Artistically bankrupt. (laughs) I love that. I, I don't know why they did it.
1: <laughs> oh man, I don't know why. <laughs> I think a new game will just be throw a song at Tom queen to get, to get some good quotes out of him. I mean,
2: dude, we could we could we could seriously write like a book like this Tom Quee's hot takes on all these songs and publish it. It would be amazing. Yeah,
4: that's coming out soon, Alf Metallica, twenty twenty one.
2: Holy shit, dude! Yeah. That's so Tom, funny. Uh, how, how would you order the unforgivens I don't like the first one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I only like the first one. I'm gonna just
2: completely disregard the question. There's only one slide. I literally in order. cannot participate in this little game of yours because <laughs> I only like the first one.
4: I love stuff like this. Don't get me wrong, but
2: so what's everyone's least favorite song on on Reload? Ooh, um, man, it's hard for me. Please. This is my third favorite Metallica record. Yeah,
4: that's insane.
2: Yeah, I know. I I I, I you can like this I can over them see... all. Yeah. Oh yeah, kill them all down. I the just think, for I me. Figured...
4: Yeah, I figured so. Wow.
2: I, but, mm. but, but I will say this I'll, I'll, give, I'll throw everyone a bone here I, I recognize that um, And I'm not even saying it to be contrarian Or anything like that It's just the plain truth It really is just true But I do recognize that that's insane And that that's a strange thing mm. Because it, it, I just can't mm. put anything above it. For me it's Lightning and then Justice and then Reload And I just can't put anything above those three records When I think about yeah. how much I love their music Not the Black Album, not Puppets uh, Not Death Magnetic And not, definitely not Kill Them All Although I, you know, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I love all these records. I love this band. Everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah, but of, course, of course, of course, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So but, uh, everyone's least favorite song. I'm probably gonna have to go. I'll I'll lead this off here. I'm gonna have to go with maybe Prince Charming. I was a, that was gonna be mine as well. Mm-hmm. Mine's Prince, it's always t-
1: t- tie for me between and Tommy. Not and like this between Low Man's lyric and uh, actually uh, Bad Seed.
2: Oh wow. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to boo that. I boo, I'm
4: booing you currently. <laughs> boo. I
2: uh,
4: boo. I like Low Man's Lyric as well, for the most part. I, should, I think that's pretty successful. But probably go with Carpe Diem Baby personally, just for having the worst title ever. I'm
2: going to boo that too. I'm going to give that a solid yeah. capital B.
4: Boo. That is just You don't like the so... title? Oh, it's just obnoxious. It's like something <laughs> a jock would write on the wall in American Pie. Like, it's just... oh, <laughs> My name's Todd. I'm gonna write "Carpe Diem." Yeah, baby "Carpe Diem, D- baby." On the locker, like it's just tasteless. Like.
2: What could that song have been called that would have been a better title? Because I do agree that's a weird. I I, I might have just called it baby. "Carpe it's Diem, just baby."
4: I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's
2: the baby that does yeah. kind of make it cheese It, it does, does make it a little cheesy. It almost I almost picture
1: a guy in a zoot suit saying it. Hey, like going to a zoot to a swing suit dancing club. And he's like point. He's like doing six shooter hands.
3: Hey, Carpe DM baby.
1: Yeah, it's like uh,
2: it's what uh, Carpe DM daddyo. That's what Vince Vaughn's character would have said in Swingers, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Cherry pop You're and so daddy baby. Can cover You're it. so Carpe Diem, baby. Yeah, yeah. Carpe DM baby. Have you seen the movie Swingers,
4: Tom? Uh, I'm aware of the lineage. Uh, I've not seen it though. No. All right, well, uh, you need to, fantastic.
2: You need to watch it, bro. Uh, yeah, okay. it's better. It's better than Reload.
4: I'm a fan of j Well, let's move
2: on to St. Anger then. What's everyone's favorite song on St. Anger?
1: Honestly, I think, I, think the song's, I think the title track for me, St. Anger. Yeah,
2: I, you know, I, I think that's weird. I think that's odd. St. Anger I is know. one of the worst songs think- I, don't, I don't think that's odd. No, it's one of their worst <laughs> songs. Yeah, easily. Easily.
4: It has one of the most breathless sections throughout. I think it has some of the most fantastic. Which one's easily, that? Easily one of their worst. The whole kind of pre-chorus into chorus. Like the hit the light section the uh, you know, madly in anger with you when it kicks out onto that. I think just Hetfield's shape and distance there, but uh, I, all within my hands for me is the best song and say anger.
2: Yeah. Eight minutes and 48 seconds one. long. Mm. It's a long one.
4: lot of sections though. Yeah, that it.
2: that one does take you on a ride. I would have to go with maybe Unnamed Feeling or Dirty Window. Dirty uh-huh. Window's pretty awesome. I'll tell you Dirty what though, to, to be honest and to be fair to this record, when I was listening today, I, I did get worn out by Sweet Amber. I I had to turn it off. I was worn out, but I was sincerely listening and there was stuff in every song where i was like man this is really cool like the Mm. riffs the riffs and the sound of the guitars i was really enjoying today and it was just the Mm -hmm. it was really the vocal phrasing and the vocal rawness it was kind of turning me off but i get that that was sort of the philosophical i think they maybe did a little bit of top-down engineering here where they were like they made a record that didn't sound great and then they ended up saying oh but we intentionally made it sound bad because the the record's so raw (laughs) and it's about this and It's like, well, you kind of ruined it, the listening experience by c- committing so much to that idea, you know?
1: I, f- I fully think that they they just committed to what, where the direction they were going, where it was like, I mean, because let's be real here. Like, I, I, we're not going to harp on the snare drum thing too much. I just want to point th- out the fact that, like, Lars was convinced that this is going to be this cool, unique thing for the record. And nobody wanted to tell him otherwise. So they just went with it, and I think they, that was kind of the attitude they had for this whole record, where it's like, well, this is just dirty, no solos, you know, very loose recording environment, everyone's writing lyrics, no, you know, crazy effects on the vocals, let's just ride, ride with it and see what happens.
2: There are moments, though, that lyrically, I mean, All Within My Hands has a great lyric, Unnamed Feeling is one of James's best lyrics of any album, I think. Mm. Where, where do you stand on that, uh, Tom, lyrically, Unnamed Feeling?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it really does. Um, I think it's just a beautiful title, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's like something you would see in like a poetry collection or something. It just kind of strikes you. It's kind of the opposite of Carpe Diem Baby, really. And, uh, you know, in its searching, like I actually had the International EP. I don't know if you guys got that um, over there where it's got you got the Unniveling, you got like a concert. At the, I was actually at the Batter Clan. Um, in 2003, where they played a lot of old school stuff like *Leper Messiah*. But um, yeah, on the unnamed feeling, I think, like you say, is kind of the perfection of a lot of the topics that James are exploring in there. They're kind of searching inward, and um, the the start of that song as well, the open strings combined with that very loose, very simple slide on top, like it's magic, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Like it really they fit together so beautifully. Yeah, you're right. It is a great title, and he really lived
2: up to it too lyrically and kind of described. Yeah describe this thing that a lot of people resonated with in, in a way that I'd never really heard before. How this unnamed thing kind of comes on you like a storm and that's a really powerful tune, man, for sure. I wish that, I wish Yeah. Because the the idea that being a recovery type record and being raw in that way, I really like that premise and I wish all the songs could have lived up to what the unnamed feeling accomplishes. Agreed. Um all right, everyone's least favorite song on St. Anger. Purify, I think, is the Gosh. worst song. Yeah, it is. I yeah. think all of them. I don't have a slot for that one. <laughs> That's Ethan <laughs> trying on a little bit of Tom Cui, acerbic, uh Hey, I all, like it. All of find them find
1: it sonically
2: bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> sonically bereft of any beauty, any poetry, poet, poetically retarded. Uh, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Hi, it's him. an, it's a, it's a, it's an auditory abortion. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to like dig deep for Tom Quee's like poetry lexicon. Let's go. I know. I heard you call something on your show one time, totemic, and I was like, "Good grief!" Mm. Tom, yeah, so crushing it with right. the with the vocabulary over there. All Jeez. right, well, we're going to do a fun thing where we have done our metal madness. You guys are familiar with what this is, and we've pitted eight uh, reload songs versus eight Saint Anger songs, and we're going to see what comes out on top uh, in a little segment we like to call a metal madness. <laughs> All right, you guys know the rules. Best two out of three votes and the song moves on. I've got the bracket here with me and we're going to have some fun and figure out what's going on here. So, the first tune up on the Metal Madness is or should I say the Metal Madness Saint Anger versus Reload edition. Devil's Dance versus Frantic.
4: Ooh. Hmm. I got to got to be Frantic. Got to be Frantic. It
2: got to be. Yeah, I got to go Devil's Dance.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> Devil's Dance isn't one of my favorite songs off Reload. However, uh, Over Frantic, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm with Clint on this one. Okay,
2: Devil's That's Dance. Insane. That one is tough though because I do think I do think Frantic is a good song. Frantic is a good song. Frantic
1: has good moments too. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it's heavy. It's it's cool. Uh, the fr- it's really the Frantic Tick Talk section that. <laughs> Does that bother you? Well, it's not a good idea even if it sounded good, but his vocal on that is just so, he it's not good, you know? Like that that if I yeah. was producing it, I would have said, "Hey, we need to we need to do that again, homie. <laughs> we need to make sure that your voice doesn't get thin and whimpery and shitty there." Mm-hmm. It
1: goes to this weird kind of like like teenage Boys, he
4: just uh, tick, yeah. tick, tick tick You know, <laughs> he almost sounds like he's on unkillable. Yeah, but it's, miss- it's, it's something... missing the power, though. It, it gets just, really yeah. No, weak. but just like the way he he's breaking through puberty on like <laughs> hit the lights and stuff. <laughs> right,
2: dude. We re- you mentioned that metal massacre. I recently went back and listened to that version of the hit the lights, the one with Lloyd oh, Grant, and his vocals are so funny, dude. He does <sighs> that big scream at the beginning. <laughs>
4: have you um (laughs) have you you guys tried to get in touch with lloyd grant because his website is hilarious
2: no what's his website like
4: well i say hilarious but it's just kind of quite low rent really and quite simple uh and i reckon you should get in touch with him like i have emailed him but maybe someone with your guy's clout
2: what's he hawking on his website like what what's it for I
4: i think just like you know old eight tracks of instrumental stuff from the 80s like
2: of metallica stuff
4: no, no, I'm being sarcastic. Oh. I don't know what oh. you're selling at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was about to get on eBay and order an 8 track player. <laughs> yeah,
4: damn.
2: The new Hulk. How do you find I just Googled it, Lloyd Grant website. Yeah.
4: Something like that. That yeah. was my flowchart. It's been a little while since I've been on there. But uh but yeah, Lloyd Grant for people who aren't aware is obviously the uh um, guitar player who plays on Hit the Lights and does the solo, which we covered. Uh oh, maybe yeah. Maybe his website's gone down. Yeah. there. he might have left the
2: old... Uh, he might have left the old Yeah,
4: might have been a little, the old Squarespace account. <laughs> you
2: know. Just getting out, of, getting out of the eight track business. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: All right. Next up, we have Tom's favorite reload song, "Carpe D and baby versus Invisible Kid.
4: Invisible Kid. <sighs> <sighs> The thing about Invisible Kid, you mentioned it before, that the songs are too long, and Invisible Kid especially is like eight minutes, I think, or something like that, and it does have repetitions, but there's like one moment when it all opens up, like this wound, this gargle of feedback, it's crazy, it happens for like two seconds in the song. That's why I like St. Anger, it has that sort of exploratory, wild nature to it, so I've I've got to go with Invisible Kid. At eight minutes and thirty seconds, Invisible Kid is the second longest
2: song on (laughs) St. Anger, After All Within My Hands crazy that ooh section is so rough dude it is
4: it is, it <laughs> is. all right go ahead ethan
2: <laughs> i'm going carpe, carpe diem baby yeah i'm sure. going carpe diem oh, nice. sorry tom God. um is this gonna be a complete whitewash uh maybe like my, any maybe.
4: Thing you're gonna get through okay
2: i do have to say this though i mean i'm remembering my i remember myself in freshman in high school loving reload And uh, Carpe Diem was sincerely at that time and all these years later, one of my favorite songs of all time. I don't know why I like it so much, but I just love it. And I was thinking too, like when I was talking about other possible titles, the only other title they could have called it was like Make Me Miss You, which is horrible also.
4: Yes, very uh, Free Day's Grace, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Make Me Miss You. Make Me Miss You. The new
4: single from Maroon 5. Tonight. Oasis, Make Me Miss You. And make me miss you tonight make me miss you maybe
2: (laughs) all right next up we have now this is actually going to be tough low man's lyric great ballad versus i guess the ballad of saint anger unnamed feeling
4: Ooh. Mm.
2: see i'm gonna go i'm gonna lead us off and surprise everyone right now and say unnamed feeling
4: yeah yeah uh (laughs) really that is surprising uh I'll go with Unnamed as well. I have to. What would you have said, Ethan?
2: I, I, I'm going to say Unnamed thing as well, so we have a unanimous <sighs> decision. There we go. Probably maybe the only one that we're going to have today. All right, next we have Tom's favorite Reload song, Bad Seed versus My World. Ooh, this is tough for me.
4: James does say sucker in My World quite a bit. You so.
2: know what My World has sucker. that was bothering me today? is It has a lot of unnecessary profanity, mm. which, I, as many of you out there, dear listeners, know, uh, employ profanity quite often, love strong language, uh, when it's used right and used for effect and comedy. And I love it in my music. But it just feels a little gratuitous in this song. Yeah. Motherfucker got in my head. <laughs> <laughs> did yeah, you, James? So you just fill in the line. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Having said that, that's one of the songs that, on the journey of the podcast, I really, really did not like. And it's one of the ones that for sure grew on me. I probably gave it a 5 or a 6 out of 10 on our uh, St. Anger episode. I've got to go Bad Seed. Ethan?
1: I'm going Bad Seed as well.
2: All right. Yeah, I would have said Bad Seed. Although it's, I've never been, I've never been a fan of Invisible Kid. I gotta say, Tom, it's really weird that you like Bad Seed so much because to me, Bad Seed
4: is really emblematic of what a lot of those records sound like. It's fun though. It is fun. It's a lean, it's a leaner, sharper version of what Reload mostly is. All right. it's it's fun it's just fun it's a fun thing it's neat it is. it's got a bounce to it like you know it's
1: it's lacking fun on the rest of the record look that's it's what neat Tom is missing. it's
2: neat it's fun it'd be a great t-shirt to have that's all i'm saying
4: do you think that's the right. spitting at the end is an homage to sweetleaf
2: yes the 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 cough the <laughs> yeah the <clears throat> it for yeah, sure throat> is throat> it's got to be right mm-hmm. <laughs> what tom's talking about is i think it's on master of reality it's a sabbath song where you mm-hmm. kind of hear that choking coughing sound
4: yeah it begins the song mm-hmm. and then IOMI just crushes in yeah
2: next up we have better than you versus some kind of monster i'm going better than you screw you guys <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh man um I... tom what do you think it's, it's got to be. I mean, Some Kind of Monster is unforgivably long. Like, it spends so long on, like, various mathy chugs. Like, it's pretty mindless. 826. But, you know, when it drops in, when that riff drops in after the distortion, just squealing before it all pops, like, it, it, it's, it's that moment. So, yeah, Some Kind of Monster. All right, Ethan, tiebreaker.
2: Uh, better than you. Okay, that was the right choice. Although, Some Kind of Monster is one of the best songs on St. Anger. And I love that, you know, the famous riff that that, that they made, that Kirk couldn't get. That's a killer riff, man. In fact, fact, I'm going to go ahead and call that on our St. Anger riff battle. All right, fair enough. I don't know which one you're going to do, but figure that out. I'm not sure yet. All right, so moving on. The next thing, Slither, which is probably pound for pound people's least favorite song on Reload, versus Dirty Window. Dirty Window. Yeah, I'm going to go Dirty Window, too. Dirty window yeah. clean. Mm-hmm. Although, I love the song Slither, Uh unashamedly.
1: I was going to say, did either, either of you uh, think that we would have a unanimous decision on any St. Anger song today? Mm. I don't think I'm I
0: surprised. did. Yeah, yeah. Look I'm, at this. Uh, I would I'm... say...
1: If there was going to be one, it would be this, but it also depends on what it would have been pitted against, but in this case, yeah. I think when
2: this whole thing blows over, we should all get an apartment together.
1: And send anger tattoos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and start vlogging. Okay, next up we have Attitude versus Purify. And I'm going to have
4: to give it up for Attitude. Oh, God. Even though I hate Attitude, it is actually better than Purify, if I'm being honest (laughs) with myself. So I'll have to go with Attitude attitude as well you, yeah. you hate
2: attitudes great little motorhead tribute Down
4: in and in and it's the worst culprit of the five seven like oh my god it's just i just imagine some hick driving around listening to it, it angers me
2: yeah you know who that hick is james hetfield
4: uh-oh <laughs> yeah exactly Round <laughs> round the downy streets like <laughs> totally born in attitude ma All right, next
2: up, we have The Album Closers, The Epic, Fixer versus All Within My Hands, which actually is tougher than I thought it would be, but I'm going to leave this off here
1: with Fixer. Well, that is one of Clint's favorite songs. Um, Man, this is a tough one. Because of the load, Album Closers, I'm more partial to Outlaw Torn, and and I love Fixer, but I mean, shoot. Tom, how are you feeling over there?
4: Yeah, I just, I don't get the Fixer hype. I never have done. I just think it's... Yeah, just not for me, ultimately. So, um yeah, gotta go with all within my hands. Love that song. Alright even. Do me right. Oh. <laughs> do it do it right. Do it. I've Man. lost so many comrades.
1: You know, I'm gonna throw a curve I'm gonna throw a curveball here and I'm so sorry, Clint. Um, but I'm gonna go with Tom on this one. All Within my hands. Yikes. Well, dead to me. That's all.
2: Just dead to me. <laughs> this is our last episode. Can't together, believe by it. The way. <laughs> I do think didn't we do an episode together, the three of us, that was like our our top five like underappreciated songs or something. Yes, we did. Yeah. Did we do a full episode on that?
4: that? Yeah, that was, that was our second appearance. My second appearance. Yeah,
2: man, we've done a lot of crossovers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're moving into another round here. We got, oh my God, I cannot read my fucking handwriting. Okay. Devil's (laughs) dance versus the unnamed
4: feeling. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Unnamed for me. Unnamed for me going for it. Shoot,
2: man. I think I'm going to have to go with unnamed feeling. I think I am too. Damn! All right, unnamed moves on. We have our first uh, Saint Anger song in this round. Unnamed feeling, still riding like a five month old. Okay, next we have <laughs> Better Than You versus Dirty Window. Another tough one. Ooh, Ooh I'm going. I'm going Better Than You, even though I love. Everyone knows I love Dirty Window.
4: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Dirty, Dirty Window for me.
2: Um, mm, I love Dirty Window as well. Am I gonna go better than you? Okay, thank God. I was about to say if we're gonna have two Saint Anger songs in this round. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> All right, cause this is a... I'll remember this day forever. <laughs> Next up, we have two reload songs. I think it's gonna be easy for Mister Thomas Quee over here. We have Carpe Diem, baby versus Bad Seed. I'm going Carpe Diem.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Carpe Diem. All right, sorry, Shoken. Tom.
4: Oh, that is uh, Carpe Diem, Daddy O. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, now we have attitude. Oh, this is this is a bloodbath. Attitude versus all within my hands. I'm gonna just go ahead and write all within my hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you should. I, I mean, I would have voted attitude. Ethan, would you have voted attitude? Maybe I like attitude a lot, but um, all right, I can I already think tell. My gut
1: might, might have gone with all. Within I, my could, I
2: could tell by what I could tell by the way you're setting that sentence up that you were not gonna vote for attitude. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're bringing it down to one of the last rounds here. We have unnamed feeling versus better than you, and again. I'm going to have to go Unnamed Feeling. Yeah. I was going to go Better Than You. All right, Tom, what do you say? Unnamed.
4: Unnamed again, I'll Damn, name it. It's
2: crazy. Because as we all know, Better Than You won a Grammy. Yeah, Grammy Award winning. All right, Carpe Diem Baby versus All Within My Hands. Ooh.
4: I mean, All Within. I just I just can't pick for Carpe Diem, I'm afraid. I'm
2: going Carpe Diem. What do you say, Ethan? I'm going Carpe Diem. All right. Thank goodness. No. Hey, Unnamed Feeling made it way further than we ever expected. All right, and for the the whole enchilada, as they say, Unnamed Feeling versus Carpe Diem Baby.
4: <laughs> what a choice. <laughs> I'm team Saint Anger, so I've got to go with
2: Unnamed. All right, Ethan. I'm doing Carpe Diem Baby.
4: Shit.
1: Clint?
2: Unnamed Feeling suffers all the same sonic maladies of, as the other Saint Anger songs, and it's long. Carpe Diem Baby is one of my favorite songs since I was a kid, and it sounds great. And it's interesting, and someone's phone is buzzing.
1: That is Dan Cantor texting you and I.
2: I think, uh, hey, Dan Cantor. I think I'm gonna have to give it up in this particular battle for the unnamed feeling.
1: <gasps> wow, dang, love that. Yeah, that's courtesy. I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm really surprised, See, Tom. You thought this was gonna be a total bloodbath, but look what happened.
4: Wow, I'm shake, I'm shaking right now. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> I did not expect this. With all the news that's been going on, this is the biggest shock I've had in years. Wow.
2: <laughs> well, I put on the socials that we were going to be chatting with you, and let's see what a couple of people have said about you being on the show. Dirty Pots asks, what would your unload consist of? So if you had to maybe pick a handful of songs from Load and Reload that you do think would tighten it up into something listenable, what, what, would, be on those, uh, what would be on that record?
4: Okay, uh, we'll start with Reload, Fuel. I think it's quite simple i think fuel is a minor classic actually absolutely I really really adore that song i think it's brilliantly written and performed they're just so exciting every time uh bad seed also maybe low man's lyric off that but um that's about it what i take from that uh you know load is actually quite strong on the first half i will say i just think it's the b side where it falls down so ain't my bitch two by four until it sleeps king nothing here today bleeding me that's about it really can that make an album like a small album like, there's, you, don't there's like a... you don't like you don't like outlaw torn no no again baffled like fixer i think these big songs at the end of these records are again bloated and a bit brain dead
1: <laughs> i mean they get long for sure outlaw torn is way is too long I, I agree with that but it's a great song all right well i'm it's gonna just, make a Cook's not a good
4: enough lead player in this era to hold it together like if you're gonna be expansive you need some Nels Klein type shit, you know.
2: I do think his kind of like bombastic breakaway, noisy moments aren't. Are I do think those are overrated. He does it. He does one in "Bleeding Me" and he does want an "Outlaw Torn." That's just like uh. a bunch of wah noise that I don't find mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, so I will agree with that. All right, Chris Post says, uh, "Let's see here. What era of the band looks wise is your favorite?"
4: Good question. Um, probably like, the Leonine Ascendant King look of, like, the Justice Tour, like, 89, just when they're kind of yeah. becoming men, you know, and Hetfield's kind of growing into that, and he's not... He's still kind of got the the boisterous, doe-eyed Aussie support kind of look there, but... You know they've been through a lot at this point, and I just, I, I, I quite, I quite like that look of the band, I suppose. And uh, you know, for bonus points, whenever Lars had that dyed blonde hair, that that was incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, I think we refer to that as his Eminem period.
4: Yes, completely. Yeah, back when he had his own label and signed DJs and stuff.
2: <laughs> Basically, the Saint Anger era. Yeah.
4: Yeah, exactly. Like,
2: how I always thought, uh, you know, when he had that label and he was signing bands. I actually know a guy from Austin who was in a band called Gaudi that was signed to Lars's label. And I've actually wanted to have mm. him on the show to talk about that, but yeah, the name of his good. music label was called The Music Company.
4: That's, that's like, right. That's
2: so yeah. weird, The Music Company.
4: It's <laughs> trying to be like <laughs> Pomo. Yeah, it was
2: like, such a weird thing. All right, another question is. What are you currently listening to?
4: You know, lots of stuff at any one time. Like, you know, we spoke briefly about um, Pearl Jam, their new album. But um, one of the things I've been getting into uh, as well was the Grill Marcus book that I mentioned before, where he goes through the history of rock and roll. So I've been listening to a lot of the bands Mm -hmm. that he talks about in there. Uh, A band, probably got the worst name ever, but they're a great band. uh, The Flaming Groovies (laughs) from the 70s. They're kind of (laughs) like a sort of power pop. Groovies, the flaming groovies. Oh, groovies, so, uh, horrible. Groovies, place it, place it yeah, horrible videos. been Checking them out. Uh, a band called The Free Design as well from the 60s, who so are kind of this almost childlike naivety music with a lot of complex orchestration. They got a song called Um Kites Are Fun. You might have heard that. It was kind of a one hit wonder in the 60s. That's a really good song. Kites
2: Are Fun. That's a t shirt Ethan should have Kites. for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, check, check, check out that song. Everyone listen, that's a great song. And um, who else we listen to? Oh the aristocrats who are definitely one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, I just saw them live twice on their European tour just for Corona took over and canceled all the dates. Uh, Southern them in yeah. and Oxford, and they're an instrumental rock fusion trio. Uh, they've got Marco minimum on the drums, Brian Bella on bass and Guffrey Govan on guitar. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him or them, but they are absolutely stellar. Probably the best instrumental rock I've ever heard. Uh, unbelievable band.
1: That's cool. Tom, you mentioned, uh, being from the seventies, um, have you ever mm. listened to uh, Radio Birdman?
4: No, I haven't, no. O-
1: old kind of, uh, I think they're kind of classified in that kind of pre-punk, you know, kind of came out around like, you know, early, early 70s, but kind of doing this cool garage punk rock stuff. Very, very cool band. Sub Pop released, uh, but like they're basically like a collection, a 2LP oh, awesome. thing that
2: I, I've had for years. Yeah, um, like Sub Pop released like, it, bro, and, like, check out like Sub Pop. Like... Yeah, Sub Pop, <laughs> like Northwest Seattle, bro. Grunge. I was thinking when you were talking about the 60s and these like weird, Band names and song titles, kites are fun, etc. I found a record in the wild called "It's a Sixties like psychedelic group called the Strawberry Alarm Clock." Alarm Clock, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it's so yeah. so good, so good. So yeah. Beatlesy, but the records Dude, great, called, the records called Incense and Peppermints.
4: Yes, and it's just yeah, like I it's think...
2: like how did because you know in, in the bureaucracy of making records and putting out music, so many people are involved in this thing. And so many people had to agree that that was a good title for it to become the title. Incense and peppermint. All right. Another question we have here is, can Tom write and perform a battle rap articulating what he doesn't like about the loads? I would love to hear that for sure.
4: Wow. I would love to do that, actually. Yeah. I mean, I used to do spoken word poetry so I could sort of combine So
2: like a slam poetry thing? Yeah. Yeah. Too long, uninspired. Is that what it would be like, starting it off?
4: Sort of like that, yeah. I'd like to almost like, in the way that the Drive By Truckers did a double album about Skinnerd and like the legacy of Skinnerd and themselves. Maybe if I ever wrote a record, it'd be like my hates of the Loads, and I would use that as the theme to sort of couch the songs. But it'd be very much like the Minutemen or the Descendants. There'd be like really short, like thirty second bursts of like "fuck two by four, fuck two by," you know, just something like (laughs) that. You know what I'm
2: committed to doing, Tom? If you can write a short, like minute long how long are how longer battle rap things?
4: Uh it depends really. In sort of the UK scene, so it'll be three rounds of like two minutes. So you All perform right. six minutes each.
2: So why don't you do a two minutes about the load era and I'll do I'll write two minutes about St. Anger.
4: Yeah, okay. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, please.
2: I can write the music for both of them.
4: <laughs> yes, let's go. We'll just we'll just kind of remix, let it burn like Lastly, I was wondering if we could try out
2: your your pun thing together just now.
4: Uh, what you mean? We play a category? Yeah, or?
2: yeah. Like, can you like serve us up something to give, give a taste of what that podcast is like and see how we would how we do?
4: Yeah, definitely. Um,
2: I know for some of it, you you were able to like prepare and write stuff down, but then there was like a speed round or something where you have to just think of something, right? Maybe we could just try that.
4: There is, there is, yeah. Okay, so um, so yeah, so we'll go through horses and desserts. So basically, any terms to do with horses and you know desserts that you'd order at a restaurant, and everything like that. So we had like um, Nickajacka Glory, Nickajacky Glory. <laughs> wow, I'm not gonna uh. do well at this. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, this is quite hard. That actually, that was pretty bad. On the spot, that was mm-hmm.
2: a horseshoe split.
4: Yeah. What's that, sorry?
1: Like a like a banana split. Is that kind of how it's working? If I no, did, like, it needs a, to be a pun. A so it needs
2: split? to make some sort of. <laughs>
4: you can't just say two
2: things. <laughs> yeah. I thought pun. that's what it was. Well, it's got to be a pun.
4: Yeah, it's got to be like a pun. So the sound has to match. So you can say yeah, like, okay, um, okay, maple stirrup, for example.
2: Jesus Christ! Uh, uh, okay. You got to you got to service up a simpler one than that, bro. That's that's yeah, advanced yeah. level. <laughs>
4: I mean, that is advanced level. Okay, what about this then? We were saying. Um, uh nicholas cage films and names so just men's names and Nicholas Cage films <laughs> so you can say like um, john in 60 seconds <laughs>
2: damn yeah I, 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 think I'm, I don't know if i'm gonna be good at this uh the wicker manfred
4: okay yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there you go there you we're, go connor air as well we had yeah Brad Lieutenant, etc. So, Brad Lieutenant. Uh, I mean, this is, this, is a game, this is a game you can play at home. <laughs> we always say that this game that we made up, it's a free game that anyone can play whenever they want. You just need to just come up with a few categories. And, you know, if you guys want to hear professionals, quote unquote, play this, search punnit uh, the wordplay yeah. Game Show podcast. And, you know, we, uh, we're going to have the guys on, hopefully, in the future as well. We haven't had anyone overseas on yet. It's all been us Brits. So, um, but but yeah, that's the idea, Clint. And I, I know you appreciate words yourself. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah definitely get stuck in
2: i will definitely do better when i can prepare for sure because i've of I've course. just been in vans and buses with a bunch of smart ass smart writers and musicians for the last 15 years so we play these games all the time but never like on the spot like that but it's mm-hmm. such a great idea it's so fun yeah awesome well i guess we should wrap it up any any parting thoughts uh, my metallica podcasting friends
4: anything anything to wrap up with
1: I'm still trying to think of a pun for a horse <laughs> dessert.
4: <laughs> get in touch. Get in touch. Uh, at the pun podcast, you can follow us as well. But party no, I just, you know, I want to say again, thank you so much for having me on. Like, you know, you guys are an inspiration. Like it was cool to see, and I want to give a shout out to Chris uh, Yurgis again, because I know he organized your party in Nashville and he messaged me and, you know, Friendly pestered me to you know get the video done in time for you guys, and it was really fun to see you watching it with mine there and everyone else's. Like uh, that was an insane thing. Like that that's when the void looks back at you. You know what I mean? That's when you know you've achieved.
2: Yeah. Like yeah, man, that was really cool to see you on there. That was a really special night for Ethan and I. And and uh, yeah, it was cool to be a part of all that. It's cool that we're all buddies and and brought it all together. And it, it's nice to have someone on the ride with us. I often uh, will yeah. we'll, uh, reach out to Tom. Huh when I'm frustrated with podcast life and complain and
4: commiserate. So it's been nice having that avenue. <laughs> mm. and, and we, I mean, we started speaking about uh, James and meet and greets, and in a way, that's the ultimate meet and greet, like a podcast party. That party definitely wouldn't be happening now with what's going on in the world, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a Zoom party if this is still going on in January. <laughs> right.
2: Well, it's a pleasure having you on, Tom. We we love you over there. Everyone oh, go check course. out Alpha Botalica and all Tom's other wonderful podcasts. And uh, we'll, try to, we'll try to get this battle rap thing happening and see what happens. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, definitely. And, uh, you know, we love you all out there in the Metallica podcast land, and we'll see you all in the flip-flop. Peace. Adios. Easy. Master! Master! Well, there you have it. Tom Kui, just a a, a a wonderful guy, beautiful guy to talk to, knows his stuff. He's a lot, oh, of, yeah. he's a lot of fun, as you just heard. Um, I would love to just get his hot takes on uh, everything in pop culture, really.
1: I would love to get, his, get a hold of his hot cakes.
2: I mean, he's been honed by his battle rap days because his ability to mm-hmm. just— Absolutely, you know, take down a song in two words. Is, yeah, uh, he is completely does.
1: <laughs> Creatively, dehydrated or something like that. <laughs> dehydrated. He, he'll use stuff like that all the time. Yeah. It's an
2: audio nightmare. I mean, it's like waking up from an audio nightmare. Hi, hey, and hello, and goodbye, and hi and goodbye, hey. goodbye. Um. So we hope you enjoyed that conversation. We're going to leave you with a song that I wrote last week. Uh, kind of just during the quarantine lockdown. My friend Matt Billingsley, Taylor Swift's drummer, played the drums on it, and my good friend Brad Lyons from Single Podcast Theory, who is also a producer and a mixer down in Birmingham, uh, he mixed and mastered it for me. So awesome! Um, it's been interesting during these times, all the different ways you can collaborate with your buddies across the country and or, or even across town. I think everyone's just wanting to do stuff. You know, I know that yeah. you've been doing drums and doing stuff for other for Jack O'Shea and I have. Yeah. The cool thing about the creative community is like this is going to, to birth a lot of. A lot of music, a lot of records, a lot yeah, of art, absolutely.
1: You know, I yeah, I I really hope so, man. I'm I'm I believe it, and I want it to happen. And I I hope I'm in that category too. You know, <clears throat> outside of doing this kind of stuff for the podcast, I mean, I need to start buckling down and start working on my own tunes too.
2: Well, you can hear all this stuff that we're playing on the episode over at Patreon and again if you're able to support us over there it means a lot and if not uh you know we're happy to be here every week for you guys. So check out my song Full Stop and we'll see you guys next week on the Flip Flop Peace. Adiós.
0: I got no answers to the questions. So what are you- stream